Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a night full of winning. Well, actually a day full of winning because there's afternoon college basketball. And Weber State and Utah State both picked up victories. The Jazz picked up a win last night. We'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show coming up. But we're going to start with a little college football. The Cougars getting ready to go play Georgia Southern. Puka Nakua meeting with the media. Here is BYU star wide receiver. Hey, Puka. Um... What do you guys as a receivers group take the most pride in? Is it blocking? Is it catching touchdown passes? Is it something else? What is it you guys take the most pride in? Mm, I think explosive plays. Like, um, definitely, I mean, blocking has always been like a goal. I mean, with the with the guy in the backfield that we have, like, uh, Phil, when he gets those, the there's a difference between a 20-yard gain and a 40-yard touchdown, and, and I think that, that falls on our shoulders. And then when they throw the ball up, uh, to making those explosive plays, like we can't have long foul balls. I think when we throw the ball 20-plus yards on the field, we got to come down with it every time. Like It's just – it'd be the worst feeling. It's, it's the worst feeling sometimes when you run 60 yards for a, a long ball and it's, just, it's either a foul ball or you don't catch it. So I think we pride ourselves in making those explosive plays to bring momentum and allow Mr. Algier to do what he does. And then as a follow-up, uh, the coaches and, and players always like to talk about next man up. How, how do you know when that next man up is ready on your group? Um, I think in practice, we, we all, we compete, um, but we're also learning from each other. So seeing when we're going through plays and we're, we're running routes and we're, we're doing our drills, just seeing that they're, they're locked in, like the little things that we're all doing the same reps and we're arguing, but making sure that they're, it's just not going through the motions. It's hard to not go through the motions when we're in week, week 11 now. So, but to make sure everybody's ready, I mean, we're, we're in for a, a long season and hopefully that in that break that we had last week with the bye week, that it was a kind of a reset to make sure you can kind of dial back in. You have your time off in football. So kind of give yourself a mental and physical reset, but uh, starting on Monday or even Sunday, like it was, it was time to get ready to go. Okay. We'll go to Alex and then Jared. Hey Puka, um, obviously one of one of the main receivers is going to be out for for this game. Um, but you guys, as a receiver core, you have plenty of you know plenty of guys, and and kind of like was alluded to just now, um, next man up mentality. But um, how do you how do you guys kind of um, adjust to not having one of your most productive receivers out there, and how do you sort of make up for that? Um, I think it started it started in the summertime of the leadership that Neil and Gunner um, showed us and the example that they've been throughout the season of consistency and to do all the little things. Uh, I mean, having Neil, just like you said, I mean, one of the leader, one of the leaders of our group uh, who's, who he has the most catches and touchdowns and the energy guy and a guy we look to when we need uh, we need a big play or somebody when just the offense isn't moving right. It's somebody everybody trusts and knows who's going to get the job done. So, uh just trust our technique, the game plan. It, it's crazy. It, it's, it sounds kind of basic, but it's just like when we go out there and to trust your technique, there are things that we work on during practice and just to continue to trust the guys around us. I, I know if I look out to my left and I see my brother, I know he's capable of making plays. I look to my right and I see Gunner. Uh, we we know what those guys are capable of. And then to see Kibo and Chris and Hobbs and Maj and the, the group of guys that we got, it's just, it's been cool to see them in the Idaho state game. And then I know those guys. And if anybody were to go down at any second that um, I've seen them all put in that work. So I know that they're ready to go. And um, 
in these in these last three wins, what do you think has been the difference for your team compared to when you guys had that little two game losing streak earlier in the season? Um, I think a confidence boost and uh, just a little a little a little bit extra swagger. Like uh, we all, we've we've had swag. I think throughout the whole year. I I hope that people can feel that that confidence that we bring, but. Uh, after you you drop a couple games, um, the swagger turns into a swagger with a little chip on your shoulder. So it's like I I'm, I feel good, but I'm also coming to punch you in the face at the same time now. Like I yeah, I might have a smile on my face, but you know my right hand's coming. <laughs> so I think that's kind of been a thing. Is uh, we kind of had a setback, but we weren't just gonna lay down on our backs the whole time. We had stood up and we got ready to go. It's, there's no time to lay down and roll over and let everybody walk all over us. Um, you win some, you lose some, but. We got a good group of guys, and we got a, a a team full of fighters. So it's been fun. Okay, Jared next, and then Jay. Okay, you've been on a lot of teams that have put up a lot of points, both in high school and now at BYU. The last couple of games, when do you know that the offense is going to be clicking on a given Saturday or in a given game? Is it during the game? Is it in warmups? Is it? The week leading up, when do you really feel like, okay, I know we're going to be really on on it today? Um, I I feel like it's kind of uh, it definitely starts in the week, but a big part of it is our energy on game day. Like, you, um, it's hard to obviously have energy during practice sometimes because you're waiting for Saturday, and that's the big day that everybody's waiting for. But coming out and making sure that whatever happened in the week, you miss some homework assignments your girlfriend had this you missed dinner you didn't get you you lost some call of duty games but uh the energy that you bring out on saturday is the most important thing um i never want to go out there and feel like i i have energy left to give (laughs) i want to be out saturday night and just be dead like knowing that i gave everything out on the field and for my teammates out there and that definitely Saturday during warmups is is the feeling that you get that kind of the butterflies and the tingles and I, I just start shaking like jiggling and I just want to hit guys and they're hitting me but it's just the energy that you can feel and it's contagious in in the locker room and it comes from Coach Kalani definitely but it's it's a it's our job to carry it out through the game so. But I also wanted to ask just about kind of your perspective. You played at Washington, you know, a big name, you know, traditional power. And you saw the excitement that surrounded the Washington program. And, and, of course, you were from this area, so you knew what BYU had. But when you go on the road ro- go on the road with BYU like you will this weekend, and there's that many BYU supporters in attendance, how does that compare to your other experience? Um, it's crazy because, you know, Washington is known as one of the greatest settings of college football with the, the beautiful stadium that they have, and they packed the house with 70,000 over there. But – I think one of the greatest feelings is when we went out to Baylor and all, every almost every away game we go out to, um, I remember the Baylor game specifically right before kickoff, um, you could hear BYU chants going throughout the stadium. And to have that confidence and to know that there are people, when you make the big play, I mean, obviously your teammates and you're excited and the juice is flowing, but to ha- to hear the crowd roar when the, everybody else at the home time is just quiet and you just hear the the BYU fans out there, they're, they're, they're diehard. They're, they're the best. We, we feed off their energy, whether they know it or not. And uh, we're grateful for the support, but it, it's, it's a huge blessing to have. Well, I mean, we're about to go to Georgia. I've never, I've been, I've been to Georgia for a basketball tournament when I was little, but I know we're going to have BYU fans out there and that's the coolest feeling. Hey Puka, last year, Isaac Rex caught 12 touchdown passes and made those explosive plays that you were just talking about. 
this year, obviously not so much, but how much is just his threat or his presence open it up for the other receivers to, to flourish? Excuse me. Sorry. I think it's been huge. Um, he allows us to go make those big time plays when we do have those explosive plays. Um, he's in there in the, in the pass protection and, and watching film, everybody watch film, they know what he's capable of. So when we, and he's out there solo by himself, uh, they're going to shade another, they're not going to leave him one-on-one with the corner. They know what he's capable of and they've seen what he's done. And he's put that on tape on, again this year. So uh, the confidence that if we feel when we go four wide and we have Isaac out there, it's like having another receiver pretty much. I mean, I know uh, one of his favorite players is Travis Kelsey. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know if we have a Tyreek Hill. It might be me. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's who we got. Uh, we're confident. And every time we throw him the ball, I, um, he's coming down with it. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, question now from Jake. Yeah, Puka, you talked earlier about foul balls, and we heard Coach Roderick just a couple weeks back saying that the worst thing he feels like a quarterback can do is overthrow you guys. And obviously, there's some people who say you guys get balls underthrown. Is it a skill to be able to adjust mid-route to a deep ball like that? Uh, definitely. I, I was, uh, so I went – me and Samson had gone to uh, the – BYU women's basketball game today and we saw uh, Danny Ainge <laughs> the, a BYU legend so it was cool and that was one of the compliments that he had given us and uh, that's something that uh, I know me and Samson and our entire receiver room pride ourselves in is going to make those high point balls it's not easy uh, having a defender dragged on you or having to take your momentum and go backwards and to make that catch of um, it's definitely hard to track the ball to be on one track and to have to switch it up but uh, I think basketball, basketball definitely helped me with that one of just being able to go up there. And I think of it as a rebound. Uh, I never, I mean, obviously if you can go, if you can only have one hand, you're going to go up with one, but going up with two and being as strong and firm as you can, I think is something that I want to do. I, I try to stay on my feet after those big long balls. And I think that's another bonus of having not necessarily underthrown balls, but a, a jump ball where I don't feel like we don't, we don't, I mean, I've never heard anybody in our, our facility say 50, 50 balls. So that we don't think of it like that. We're just throwing jump balls. That's how we, we operate. And when we go, I'm going to jump and get it. <laughs> and can you just give me a quick scouting report on what you see from Georgia Southern defensive? Um, they're going to give us some looks that we've seen. It'll be exciting to see kind of, how the game plan goes. I, I'm excited for our game plan. We got a, uh, they're a little bit similar to Virginia um, playing some cover four. They're going to get, they're going to be off, um, but it'll be interesting to see. There's always a game time adjustments and you never know what you're going to come out until we get that first snap and kind of see how the game's going to go. But they got some good athletes and we're going into a talented team. Like um, I know our, our defense and everybody, this, we're going to be ready. I know there's the, I guess a, a kind of thought of, yeah, the, coming after a bye week and playing Idaho State, that this is kind of another smaller game. But uh, every game is important. We've we've dropped two games, so the mindset of every, like every game is important has been over preached because of the way the season has gone. And I think we're get, we're we're ready and prepared to go out there and to put, to put a butt whooping out there in Georgia. <laughs> There's BYU's Puka Nakua. When we come back, the Utes and the Oregon Ducks, big big game. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst, joins PK and I next. Stay with us. Ready, ready, ready. It's game week 
for the Utes in the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's the biggest Pac-12 game of the year for Utah and a potential preview of the conference championship game as the Oregon Ducks come to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a showdown against the Utes. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 Network analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain, has an incredible Black Friday offer running the entire month of November. Smart Rain's given free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. LK, good morning. DJ, PK, it's LK on Thursday. Everything okay? All good? <laughs> well, I think that depends on who you're talking about. Right <laughs> now. Sorry, sorry, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Right now, everything's okay with the Utes because they won six out of seven. They got this huge game coming up with Oregon Saturday night, 530 on ABC. Prime time on the East Coast. This is what the Pac-12 wants. This is what it gets. Let's see if they put on a good show here. See if we get a little Pac-12. Yeah, after, I'm hoping so as well. We'll see. <laughs> but if your team loses that game, then you're not in such a good mood. So which fan base is going to be in a good mood Saturday night and which is going to be in a bad mood? You know, I still think it's going to be a, 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 a Pac-12 championship game. You know, regardless how you twist it, it's going to, it's going to come down to uh, two of the better teams playing one another. And, and I think that's what it suits up to be. Yeah, it's a real interesting situation for Utah. You know, if they win... That's great, and that's that's the goal. But then you got to win in, in two weeks. Uh, Oregon would have a letdown because then they wouldn't be going to the playoff. But then they'd have a couple of weeks, assuming that they win the North, to recoup and get into the uh, conference final. I guess maybe that's not a guarantee uh, <laughs> since they'd have to play Oregon State. You, right. Utes obviously with a win or an issue loss clinch it. Um, and I talked to you down there in Arizona, uh, and obviously you called the game for the Pac-12 Network. It wasn't a dominating victory. I'm not necessarily right. bothered by that. But, you know, I live around some Ute fans, and I talked to them, and they were bothered by it. How much should they be bothered by it that it wasn't a dominating win against Arizona? You know, the the, the thing is, and we've talked about this before, I, I'm, I'm pleased with the fact that there's a level of competition with the Pac-12 that – there's you know sort of a round table it, it it seems like every team can compete with every team i like that i, I mean it, it's it's not on a national standard it's not favorable but for for the most part i like the fact that every team can compete with every team and there's never any given weekend where you're going to have one team that stands out above the most um but at the same point for a national scale it 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 does not it does not pave because we, we look at some of these other conferences, whether it's the Big Ten or the SEC or, or whatever, I, I think they're top-heavy. I've always said that. Um, but when, when it comes down to competition, I want to see schools be able to compete with one another. doesn't matter what day it is. doesn't matter what, what, what time it is. doesn't matter who they have on the roster. I want to see schools compete. 
and I've enjoyed that. So to answer your question, I mean, I'm conflicted, but at the same time, I'm, I, I saw Utah, you know, take a step above Arizona and everyone else. Um, to put themselves in that in that sort of not, not necessarily elite phase, but take a step and put themselves in a, in a place where they're they're competitive, and I'm looking forward to that as it comes you know later in the season. So Oregon can run the ball. They got a lot of guys who can run the ball. Yeah, and then you got the Utes, who normally are very good against the run, but they've been younger up front this year. It's been a problem as early as the BYU game week two, as recently as the Oregon State game. Do you think the Utes can slow down Oregon's run game, or is Oregon going to run for their 200, 250, maybe even more yards than that? I think the Utes can slow down that run game. I think it's going to be more competitive than people give it. A, uh, people look at it from the outside. Um, uh, I, I think you talking compete with Oregon. I'm looking forward to a very good game, and there's going to be sort of a what is it rematch or whatever you look at the Pac-12 championship. I think both teams are going to uh, are going to find a way to 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 put on a advanced I don't know a, a, a better performance than they did the, this week. But I'm looking forward to U, Utah really Oregon and, and competing with Oregon. Is it too simple to say that? Oregon and how how well they do, and if they win the game, rests with how well the quarterback plays. Yes, yes, I think that, that I think it's going to come down to more than that. Ute fans have uh, trusted the offense, or excuse me, have trusted the defense for many years, and then watched right. the offense. One eye open, one eye closed. Please, offense, right. please come on. This year. They've been watching the defense versus the run game, and come on, hold it together, guys. But they are starting to get to the point where they trust the offense. You called the game in Arizona, and, and Kyle said the difference in the game is they went one for four in the red zone, and we were five of six. Right. Do, you, do you trust this offense? Is this offense going to run out and score 30, 30 points on an off week and, and 40 or more on a good week? Is that where I they are now? it's going to be more defensive than, than offensive. Camerizing is, is definitely doing well. But I think it's going to be more defense. I, I love I love the youth's defense when it comes to this game. Thirteen games for Jimmy Lake at Washington. Yeah. This is crazy. I mean, I never would have guessed that when Chris Peterson stepped aside. Uh, what do you make of it? Uh, was it fair? And what does Washington do going forward? Really disheartening as a UW alumni. I'm not really sure what to make of it. Um, there were, there, were, there were a lot of guys who liked Jimmy Lake, and I'd never met, I mean, I met him in person, but it was just a casual handshake and stuff like that. Never had a chance to get to know him. Um, I'm not really sure, to, to be honest, guys. I'm not sure of the condition of the program, where it goes after Coach Peterson. Um, so this hire for the next head coach is going to be big. It's really disheartening if, if, if you're talking you know, to alumni like myself, um, it, it's just—it's so confusing. I don't—I don't really know to what to make of the program where they are right now. If that makes sense, yeah. You know what I mean? It's—it's it, it, really hard. It really hard because you know, watching the program sort of evolve after the days of Don James to where they are right now, it's really disheartening to see where they're at and to understand what really is going on. I don't know what the future holds for that program there. We have been amazed at how 
quickly things are changing for college football coaches everywhere. True Matt story. Wells got fired with a 5-3 and three record in his third yeah. year when his second year was a pandemic season. And we followed yeah. it because he'd been the Utah State coach, so obviously we're following him. And then I'm reading about Washington, and I should have known this, but I'm just not following it close enough. But when I read it, I realized it was true. Washington and Washington State hired new coaches yeah. who never played a rivalry game against each other, and they were both fired. That yeah. is, I mean, things are moving. There's a story out that like half a billion dollars in dead money to coaches have been fired over the last decade. Like college sports, it's it's not college sports. When when you got a half billion in dead money and you got people getting a year and a half or two and a half years to build programs, this is just pro sports. Oh, it, it, it's really unfortunate when you talk about the the the, the college roundtable that is free agency with the the portable you know stuff like that as well as the coaches it's really hard to to put your finger on it and for for me as a UW alumni um, I'm concerned because there's a, there's there's a top five job that's sitting out there that's a USC there might be more when the end of the season comes for the Pac-12. And to think of likable candidates for those places or those those positions, it's really difficult because I don't know what is going to be available. I don't know who's going to be available. I should say that's a better way of saying it. It's really unfortunate. So um, it, it really is a, oh, a very uh, tumultuous, if you will, uh, sort of roundtable going around the country when it comes to college football. And it's unfortunate. I don't know, especially for the program, as I said, I'm a proud alumni for UW. I don't know where the future holds for my, 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 my very well university. As soon as the Washington job came open, Kalani Stocky at BYU's name surfaced. Uh, yeah. Would you be interested? At least talk to him? I haven't. You know, I think they're going to talk to them. I don't. I don't know where they're going to go. I haven't had a connection with the the regents and the people who are in power at UW just yet. Um, this is such a surprising move um, to fire a lake and everything else. So um, I, I think that he'll probably be in, in. His name will probably be in that hunt as well. So you're calling Raider games, and we hear you here on the zone. Back-to-back yeah. losses. I mean, they were five and two. It looked so good. Yes, there have been a lot of distractions, but right. they're in first place. Kansas City's defense can't stop anybody. Hey, the Raiders could really have something going here. Two games later, they got two losses. Kansas City six and four, back in the lead. The whole division's up for grabs. Any of the four teams could win it based on where they stand right now. Are you surprised by this turnaround, or? Did you think all along that there's not much separating these teams? So if after nine or ten games they're this close together, who's surprised? Probably the latter. What I'm most surprised with is the sloppy play that the Raiders put on Sunday night against the Chiefs. The fact is the penalties and the the, the undercomings, if you will, for the game allowed the Chiefs to, to excel. Uh, look, the Raiders have got to put themselves together, get themselves together. They can't have penalties that, that, that stop themselves or, you know, you know, uh, Hindered drives, if you will. I looked at you know the first drive that the, the Raiders defense went three and out. The first drive ended with a fourth and one and a penalty on an offensive lineman who jumps off sides. 
you know, Alex Lowe, what it was so disappointing. You cannot lose possessions when you come to an efficiently offense, offensively efficient team, and that's exactly what the what the Raiders did. They've got to find a way to put themselves together. It's still plenty of time. You still got plenty of season left, but they've got to find a way to win win games rather than find a ways to lose games. I was surprised that Kansas City's uh, put so much pressure on Carr. Uh, right. I don't know if it was the offensive line or what. What was going on there? The offensive line. Uh, just, but at the same point, I think Derek Carr has to trust his offensive line better because there were opportunities where they picked up the blitz, they picked up the, 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 the pass rush, and he still threw checkdowns. He's got to find a way to look downfield and be more aggressive. He did not do that in the Kansas City game. So now you got to sprint to the finish here over the final, uh, what depends on the team, seven or eight games here. Is there one team you trust more or less than the others? No. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I think the Denver Broncos are out of the competition, but it comes down to Chargers, Chiefs, and Raiders. Who's going to win the AFC West? Do you believe in what the Patriots are doing here to turn around? Is Belichick going to stun us all? Or they're just, well, they won a couple, well, they've won four, though, so it's not more than yeah. a couple. It's four in a row now. What do you think? How, how good are they? That division has always been sufficiently weak. You know, there's no one else in, who's in competition except the Buffalo Bills, if you think about it. I, I, I'm not surprised with Belichick and the Patriots. They're in the hunt, like, you know, since they found their quarterback. They have a good team all around, but, you know, when it comes to the rest of that division, other than the Buffalo Bills, who are you going to re- rely on? No one. So I'm not surprised at all. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do the next couple weeks because they finish right. up with the Dolphins and Jaguars. So it feels like they got a couple couple wins built in there at the end if they can if they can hang okay. around. They could be in good shape. Well, Lincoln, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on, talking a little college football, a little pro football. Uh, we will talk. What, what's your uh, college football game this week? You got one? I've got Utah versus Colorado in Boulder. Oh, okay. Yay. <laughs> Long times. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll give you a chance to talk to Washington people and see what you can yeah, learn exactly about. Yeah, exactly right. I'm going to try to figure that out. But, yeah, DJ PK, it's always good to be with you guys. Thanks, All right. man. There's Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Network Analyst and Raider Analyst. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show as they beat the Raptors. Stay with us. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a much-needed bye week, Kalani Sitaki and the Cougars begin a two-game stretch to end the regular season on the road as they square off against the Eagles of Georgia Southern. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 7 with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, one of the tale of two halves. In the first half, the Jazz gave up too many offensive rebounds, turned the ball over too much, and really struggled with the Raptors. In the second half, they tightened up the act, and Rudy Gay got hot and started hitting threes. 
Five out of six. He had 20 points, and the Jazz pull away and get the win. Here's the best of the postgame show. DJ and PK, Jazz recap. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280. The Zone. The Jazz beat the Raptors last night at Vivint Arena, 119 to 1037. Jazz players in double figures, led by Donovan Mitchell, who had 20, and Rudy Gay in his Jazz debut, had 20 points in 18 minutes, 7 of 8 shooting, 5 of 6 from 3. He was fantastic. Let's get you some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Every win is, is a good win, and tonight, the you know, the way we played with the pass um, against the team, you know, I mentioned before the game, that really forces you to do that because of the way that they defend. Um, and I thought um, that efficiency helped our transition defense, and maybe the biggest thing that we did defensively um, as the game went on, we got a lot better on the offensive boards, on our defensive boards. What do you think of Rudy Ocho's debut? I think we're calling him Ocho. I got to write an eight on on the uh, the board, so we're getting used to that. Um, he played within himself, you know. He just made the game easy because of the decisions that he made. You know, and I think that, you know, he made shots, but that's a byproduct of, you know, making the right play. And that's what we've emphasized with our whole group. You know, it's the, the making shots always stands out, but there's other things that he did that, you know, helped our team. And uh, that's what stood out to me. What are some of those other things? Um, well, defensively, he's length. He's, I think uh, impacts shots, even if he doesn't block a shot. Um, his willingness to move the ball, um, you know, and that the ball the ball comes back to you. Um, you know, something as simple as spacing. You know, I think with his height again, you know, he's able to pass the ball. And most of the shots he got were, you know, he had the one driving layup, um, but most of the shots he got were after the ball, you know, moved some and, and he was open. Um, so he was, you know, he was efficient to be out for that long. Um, you know, it just tells you, you know, he's a basketball player and his feel for the games, you know, that, that such a hard thing to capture when you, you know, you talk about feel, but if you watch the game, you know, you, you can tell what it, what it is. Joe, uh, was maybe the most involved that he spent, um, especially kind of playmaking in that third quarter. When, why did you guys get him the ball so much? Or was that kind of a flow thing? And then what did you see? This yeah, play? I think the, the, the kind of the misnomer with our team is, is you know, getting the ball to a guy, you know, it's more, um, you know, how many assists did he have? A lot. So, you know, that he, he's getting off the ball when he's doing that. So, um, you know, we've talked about, that, you know, one of the biggest things is, I don't know how many defensive rebounds he had, but he was, he was on the glass, um, you know, and that's, that gives him opportunities in transition. Um, and I thought, you know, in, in a similar fashion to, to Ocho, um, you know, Joe just tried to make the right play. And, you know, against a team like Toronto that's so aggressive and pressures you so much, um, you know, the guy that is bringing it up um, usually can, can create an advantage right away in the possession. And, you know, it happens all the time when you get off it and there's numbers um, and you create that advantage. You know, there was a few times that, 
you know, we, we made the right decision to drive the ball and travel, but a lot of those plays where guys are driving and kicking, it, it comes back to, you know, the guy that started the possession, you know, and frankly, Mike Conley dominated the game. I mean, that, and, you know, it says a lot about who he is as a player, you know, when he takes what four shots and dominates the game. You know, I think obviously Joe and, and Rudy Gay, you know, had really good nights. We had, good, you know, a lot of people contributed. But, you know, Mike, in my mind, you know, the way that he played and to, to be that unselfish to facilitate everything. I don't pay a lot of attention to plus minus because sometimes it's deceiving, but 33 jumps out plus 33. It's hard to do. Specifically, what does Mike do to facilitate this offense that kind of gets over this? I mean, boys had a lot of good looks tonight. Yeah. What does Mike do specifically? Well, I, I think, you know, he, he's unselfish and he's quick to make the, the right play, you know, and sometimes that you define that a lot of different ways. But, um, you know, his ability to get in the paint, I think, is uh, is unique with his quickness. Um you know, he took shots when he was open, you know, and then a lot of times he made a play to get somebody a better shot. Um, you know, so uh, I thought he defended too. You know, he worked. Van Fleet's hard to guard. There's a lot of movement, you know, and he really worked on that. I think he blocked a shot too. So, no, but we, you know, we got the, the main thing is we were precise enough to, to get spaced and we had a, you know, we had a spell there where, you know, I think we, we weren't spaced as well. And, you know, we turned the ball over trying to um, turn the ball over, trying to make plays. It's like in, in the right spirit. Um, but tonight, as I, as I mentioned before, you know, the, getting off the ball sometimes is more important than anything and being spaced so that someone can get off the ball. But, you know, we've been talking a lot about offense right now and, you know, just bring us back to the defensive end because getting stops is, is what allows us to do that um, consistently. You mentioned the defense that Toronto scored three baskets over the final nine minutes of the third quarter. What really was the turning point that, that led to that? I, I think it just concentration and focus on that end, you know, and understanding that that sustained consistent effort um, is what allows you to, you know, to not just build a lead, but extend a lead. And there's been times this year where we've been in a position to, to, to extend the lead and, um, and take control of the game. And we, we haven't been as focused on the defensive end. And that, that's really where a team can let up in those situations. When you look up and you're up 13 and all of a sudden, you know, you're up six um, because you don't have the right frame of mind thinking about something else other than defending. There's Coach Quinn Snyder. 119-103 to 103 is your final. The Jazz beat the Raptors. Let's now get to the player sound from the post game. Let's start things off with Joe Ingles. I mean, it's got nothing obviously to do with Eric either. Eric was great for, for I don't know how many games we've played now. 10, 11, 12, whatever. Um, different players, obviously. Um, and, and Rudy's shot-making ability, shot-spacing, shot-floor-spacing. Um uh, I think it obviously tonight what they were doing with with kind of blitzing and trying to run us off the three point line, re- regardless of 
of what they were trying to do. I think that that spacing helped either way, and obviously tonight even more. Um, but no, it's been fun. It's it's obviously been a bit of a build up for us because we've watched him and seen him for years and played against him for for years. But but uh, to to have him on your team is is nice. Um, I remember a, a few games with the Spurs when he was there and. He killed us a few games, offensive rebounding. I think he played the five a bit when he was there. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's hell of a player. Twenty six seasons in, um, and hopefully now that everyone knows he can shoot, he can give me some of uh, my powers back. <laughs> what um, um, you got your usage had been down a little bit tonight. It was way up in terms of um, the ball in your hand. Was was there anything to that in terms of um, a focus, or did it just kind of happen that way? Oh, you missed media this morning. We talked about it this morning. You should have got up early. I was writing a story. Um, it wasn't this story. Yeah. Oh, what was it about? Huh? What was it about? I can't tell you. Man, it ain't that secret. Um, no, uh, I mean, I, I, we kind of said it. I said it this morning a little bit, but I think with the depth of our team, different nights, uh, uh, different players are going to have nights on, on different nights. There's, there's games, I think Coach said it before, Mike shot four shots tonight, but was plus 33 and dominated, kind of bringing the ball up and, and initiating that first pass to then that next guy making the play and, and getting the assist. And for the people on the outside, it looks like Mike didn't do much, but he was he was dominating, obviously, um, for for the people that know and watch the game. Um, and I think that's a, I mean, I said it this morning too, but like the, obviously everyone wants to get some shots and make a couple shots and, and help the team. And there's going to be nights that Mike Conley shoots four shots. There's going to be nights where, where it's me or, or probably not Donovan, um, but but other guys in the team. Um, there's obviously going to be situations. Donovan's going to have the ball more. Mike's going to have the ball more. Um, picking on different aspects of the game. Obviously tonight, wide pin downs were, were working for us and getting into them, um, being able to hit Rudy or hit the, the guy when they helped down. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously everyone wants the ball at times. We, we all want to help our team in uh, on uh, different points of the year, but I think at the end of the day, if we we buy into to the fact that we've committed to trying to win, like it, it's, I mean, we're, we're deep. Rudy comes in and Eric doesn't play. And like I said, Eric was great for 12 games or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, it's tough um, sometimes, but you've got to figure out ways to, to help the team. And again, some nights I'll have it more, some nights I won't. And, and that's the way it is. And I think if everyone is in the same frame of mind of, of trying to win basketball games, I, I think we'll be fine. You guys like playing against the with team style of defense because, you know, the ball movement is really good and you guys can kind of show some of the best aspects of the way you Yeah, I think it almost like forces us to play the way we want to play <laughs> to, a, to a certain extent. Um, I think we're at our best when we play like we did tonight. Um, I think re- regardless of the coverages that other teams play, I think obviously there's going to be times when the big's back and you can, the guy who's handling can get downhill and, and finish or, or make the play. But I think with our team getting in the paint and, and getting off it, and, and usually a lot of the times the guy that initiates it probably ends up with the shot at the end of the day. Anyway, it comes back around and um, tonight with what they were doing, obviously makes it very easy to do what we did. Um, 
and make the extra pass and, and, and swing it and keep moving it and break the paint and, and find shooters. And, um, but I think, I think for us to be successful, that's the way we have to play. And, and we do play like that a lot of the times. Um, there's going to be situations late game and all that, that, that Donovan will play two, five elbow with Rudy and we'll space. And, and that's how it will be. So, um, yeah, it was, it was nice for, to, I guess, almost be forced to play that way. And, make it obvious that it's a really successful way for us to, to play. You guys have had a lot of nights this year where you've gotten good looks for three and lost their bonds tonight. Is there any kind of reason for why they're going in tonight? I don't know if guys change their meals or anything or – no, it's just – Again, I think the way they were playing us, it, it, it almost forces you to not – I don't think guys don't make the right play, but it kind of forces you to make an extra pass. And, and the way they were scrambling, it's like a swing, swing and a drive. And then that, that guy on the opposite side is wide open. And um, some of them were, were shots we got early in the year too and we weren't making. So there's going to be nights we don't shoot as well. Um, I think at the end of the day, defensively for us is – regardless of how we're playing offense, that's how we have to hold our, our hats on on the defensive end and rebounding the ball and then being able to push. I think they had like six or seven offensive rebounds in that first five or six minute stretch. And after that, didn't have one for, I think, till the last quarter or some, probably one bounced out somewhere, but, but we kind of locked in on that. And I think for us, again, to be successful defensively is where it's going to be. And then on the offensive end, playing the, the way we did tonight. Jumping off that, you did talk about this morning, you know, about making an extra pass from a good shot to a great shot. You also mentioned Royce. Why did you see Royce shoot the ball more? Obviously, he did that tonight. Speak about his play. Yeah, I think it, again, just kind of making the right play. And uh, again, I think a couple of times they were stunning off him and, and kind of almost forcing him to shoot it instead of swinging it to, to Donovan or Mike or Boyana or whoever he, he was out there with. Um, obviously, we trust Royce to, to shoot those shots every time. Um, he, he's he's always going to make the right play. He's unselfish in that aspect. Like he almost will give up a lot of his stuff to, to get guys involved and, and he knows who he's out there with. Um, he's trying to get Boyan and, and Mike and Donovan touches and shots. And I mean, he rebounds the ball and he's trying to pitch it to, to me to get me a shot. Like that's just that's the way he is and the way he plays and, the unselfishness um, that, that he plays with. So he, he was, I mean, he's great. 99 nights out of a hundred. So um, yeah, no, he was, he was awesome tonight. Yeah, yeah. Do you like him in Russia? No, I don't. <laughs> it's, too hard to, it's too hard to say. It needs to be something like quick. Yeah. And I don't think he's ever been number eight before. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's, everyone's kind of riding it. I, I'm going to try and figure something else out. <laughs> Or That's too hard. So how am I going to run down the court? I can't even say it. When I'm... Um, no, I'll figure something else out. It needs to be like on the fly. And if you're out there with both Rudy's, it's, they're both looking at you like, it's impossible. We'll figure it. That was, I think it was, I think he actually made it up. Yeah. But it's not that much making up to it. No, it's terrible. It just goes it's terrible. That's Joe Ingles. Joe was great uh, last night. Ten points, but also had eight assists and seven rebounds. And talking about what exactly uh, they're going to call Rudy Gay. Speaking of Rudy Gay, let's go ahead and hear from him and his post game comments. I remember playing against 
know, the jazz and it being so loud. And it's, I'm just happy I'm on that side. <laughs> to be honest with you, we really had some good fans and fan base has been great. We've been sitting on the bench. It's been great not coming out here and playing. It just, you know, gives you that extra oomph. You had the six minutes in in the first half and then you played a longer one in the second half. Just like conditioning wise, how was it? It's tough. It's tough. You know, um, a little bit of nerves, excitement, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough playing up here in the elevation. But, you know, I think it was more nerves than anything. And you got the chance to kind of play with everyone and get a feel of kind of how everyone plays. Just how was kind of the continuity and kind of your chemistry in your first game? Me personally, I feel like I can play with anybody. You know, I just, just – I just try to play the right way, move the ball when it needs to be moved, score when I need to score. And at the end of the day, just try to uh, play for one goal, and that's to win. So, you know, when you come into a game with that mindset, there's nobody you can't play with, you know. What was the best thing that you feel like you did tonight? And what was one thing that you can point to that you say you feel like you got to clean up? One thing I, I think I did good today, I didn't hold, I didn't, I didn't hold the ball. Just kept the ball moving. That's a, that's that's a big thing with this team. I think when we do that, um, we're hard to beat. You know, be a ball mover, um, knock down open shots, make it easy for you know Don and and, and, and you know Rudy. You know, that's it. What do I think I can work on? I just ran a mile after the game to work on my my stamina. So I think that's one thing I can work on. Uh, Joe joked that you stole some of his shooting powers. Um, but how much has just shooting with him helped? Give it all. I mean, you know, it'd be some, it'd be the closest people, people closest to you, man. Nah, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, Joe, you know, we know that's what we do here. We shoot threes. And I knew that coming in here. And I mean, Joe's a good shooter, but I'm, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm no slouch, man. I am closing in on 20,000 points. There's a lot of threes in that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm usually humble, but, you know, I, I can't score. Um, I don't know. It just happened. I, it, at, first, at first, it was Big Rudy, but, you know. <laughs> didn't want to ruffle. I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. So, uh, no, I'm just joking. But you know, it is what it is, man. It's just you know, Ocho. It's really for coach more than anything. Writing up on the board. Uh, he called Rudy, and both of us walked up today. So, you know. Do your teammates call you that on the court? They they've taught themselves too because you know of the you know even in practice it, it makes me up. So, you know. What does Joe like? Besides his kids and his family. Uh, how did you engage this? Did it feel like the Did it feel like the start of year sixteen for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. This is this is one of the toughest, you know, off seasons and start of seasons I've ever been a part of. You know, I'm 35 years old, had foot surgery, and you know, basically I teach myself how to walk again, again after tearing my Achilles before. But uh, it's it's not it's not easy, you know. Um, it's a lot of dedication, and like I said before, you gotta be a little crazy without injuries to play in a, a league this long and be able to stay here and be able to chase around these nineteen year olds and you know be able to play for different coaches, be around different locker rooms. Gotta be a little different, and um, 
I'm a little different. There, guys. I mean, Mike Conley scores five points tonight and kind of like ran the show up. There, guys coming off an all star appearance who would be kind of willing to sacrifice their shots and points like that. So, yeah. what does Mike mean for this team? And kind of when you see that kind of self sacrifice out of Mike, what do you think? Well, Mike has been doing that his whole career. He, he's basically whatever the team needs, he does. Whether it's scoring, passing, defense, he does everything. That's why he's so, you know, that's why he's so valuable to this team and every team he's been on. Um, you know, like you said, he shot well five times, but he really controlled the game, and I think he needs to do more of that. Um, you know, he's he's a he's a point guard. He's our point guard. Um, he controls the game. I think we're, we're you know we're we're more we're more detailed in what we're doing, and, and um, he's more involved. And I think uh, you know when 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 that happens, we're hard to beat. There's Rudy Gay, 20 points in his Jazz debut, 7 of 8 shooting, 5 of 6 from 3 in just 18 minutes play. He also grabbed 5 boards and uh, had 2 assists as it looks like he's going to fit in quite nicely with this roster. Let's uh, wrap up the player sound with Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Rudy was great. Um, you know, Rudy gave us a spark on both ends. And uh, what I really like is like he's really looking for his teammates, you know, and... Uh, and then he's shooting the ball when he when he's opened, and uh, you know he's he did that pretty well tonight. Uh, it's huge, you know, and um, and his physicality, you know, when uh, you know there was a few times he he, he got somebody on the balls too, he hit somebody and get the, get the rebound, so it's gonna be huge for us. The offensive rebounds were massive in the first quarter, and then you guys really cleaned it up, kind of watching. Uh, just our mindset. You know, I think we're you know, a little passive early on. Uh, they play really hard, and uh, we had to raise our level of physicality. Uh, take us through your behind-the-back pass there. Yeah. I uh, just, just went with the flow. You know, I think uh, I went to dunk it first, but then uh, someone ran at me, ran up on me, so I just, you know, made the right play. How has your how has just your passing improved through the years, and kind of what, what's been your the key to that improvement? I think um, just learning the game, you know, and uh, I, I love to you know find my teammates, make the right play when I get the ball, you know, uh, and you know when I feel that you know the team is trying to play through me, um, you know, it just gives me confidence to make the right play and uh, either finish at the rim or find the open man. What did you guys do? Um, you guys have noticed better defensively on the perimeter in terms of getting over screens, not letting Fred and and, um, and Gary get so much freedom coming off the off the picks. I think just our mindset, you know, just try to be more more aggressive on the ball, more physical. Uh, that's what they were doing to us, you know. And um, I kept telling the guys, you know, let's let's get into them. We might get a few fouls, but. They won't be as comfortable, and then me and Hassan just got to be a little higher on those shooters to make sure that we uh, disrupt them a little more too. Bryce gave you guys an early spark on offense. Uh, when you see him shooting like that, um, how much confidence does it give the rest of the team just to see him make such an early impact on offense? It's, it's huge, you know, and uh, when the team try to, you know, overplay the role like they were doing and leaving somebody wide open like you know they were always leaving a guy in the corner or in the top of the key so uh, Royce is a great shooter and he's gonna shoot it with confidence and tonight him making those shots uh, allowed us you know to 
really take off and then, you know, and, uh, and win this game easy. You think you're playing higher up on the screen than you ever, like on, on everything you have in the past? I think it depends. You know, I just, um, I just kind of adjust myself uh, depending on the flow of the game, uh, who it is, you know, who is the big two. Uh, and just try to feel the game and, uh, you know, uh, and give as much confidence as I can to my teammates. You're getting the ball, it seems a little higher on some of those screen and rolls. Um, how, 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 how much more comfortable are you or how confident are you to make a play in that situation? I'm really comfortable, you know, making it the uh, play of the dribble or the pass, you know, and then uh, being a little more patient, you know, I really, you know, something that I really needed to do, you know, be a little more patient underneath the basket and, uh, and just, uh, just punish them. You know, if uh, just make the right play and, uh, and then play basketball and punish them. That is Rudy Gobert. 14 points for Rudy last night, 11 boards and two block shots. Up next, the Jazz take on the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night on the road. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Royce will fake the ball pass, fire the three, and hit. And Royce O'Neal's leading the Jazz in scoring tonight with 16 points on 6 of 7 shooting, 4 of 5 from 3. Beautiful lob by Ingles to Gobert with a dunk all set up by a Rudy Gay pass to start it. And a slam dunk, and the Jazz are back up by 7. Clarkson holds, now drives with the right hand, finds Ingles, open 3 for Joe. Come on, kid. Yes, sir. Joe Ingles for 3. Utah by 10. Jazz have got Vivid Arena cheering. Chested to Gay. Deep three from Rudy Gay is good. Oh my goodness. Rudy Gay's making everybody happy. Rudy Gay with 20 points. Rudy Gay had five of his six three pointers, and the Jazz pull away in the second half, beat the Toronto Raptors 119 to 103. And PK, the game goes a lot better when they stop giving up points off turnovers and offensive rebounds because. That was power in Toronto in the first half, and the Jazz held them to 40 points in the second half. Yeah, that really surprised me because, as I told you yesterday, I thought that Toronto was just the worst matchup possible for the Jazz. (laughs) (laughs) That's not exactly what happened. Yeah, if they play like that 16 times in the postseason, that's pretty good. Uh, Good things. You're talking about the way they played the second half of the game. Yeah, I mean, that was just incredible. And it had nothing to do with the opponent. That's what I'm talking about. The opponent was immaterial, irrelevant to me. It was about the way they played. Rudy Gay talked about it in his on-court interview afterward about moving the ball and how important that is. And, you know, you pass up good for better and get the best on, on the possessions. And obviously he shot the ball well, and I don't expect him to shoot the ball like that all the time. But for whatever reason, it was going in for him. Uh, you know, new team, first game and all that stuff. But that really was the ev- a definition of what we see for Jazz basketball, that's for sure. He and Royce O'Neal shot the three really well, and it's just uh, another guy now who can go off from three. Uh, Donovan Mitchell certainly uh, didn't. Um, Joe Ingles can shoot it better, or not that it was that bad, but he can shoot it better. So on any given night, someone can get red hot. And those two guys, Royce O'Neal and, uh, and Rudy Gay, were crushing a combined 9 of 12 from three. 
team shot 41%, which is a good number, but also pretty close to what they can do night in and night out. So they get the win, 119-103, and now they get another day off, and then they head to Sacramento, Rudy Gay's old stomping grounds, to play the Kings, see if the Jazz can beat the Kings for the third time this year. That's 8 o'clock tomorrow night, and our coverage will start at 7 o'clock with the Jazz game night pregame show. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Curry dribbling. Far wing. 13 to shoot. Step back. Off the dribble. Three. It is unbelievable that Curry able to nail that shot. He's a threats the needle to Jimmy Ford. Jam. Morant. A three from straight away to answer. Ring it up. Put three on the board. Oh, we've got an old-fashioned Western Conference shootout in Memphis tonight. Maxi with 17 and Curry with 18. Seth long two and he nails it. Feet straddling the arc on the right perimeter. But Seth Curry nails a long Highlights from around the NBA. Golden State Warriors pounding Cleveland 104-89. Warriors with the best record in the league. They keep it rolling as Steph Curry goes for 40. Yeah, man, he is your MVP this season so far. I don't think there's any question about that. Nope. Another, uh, Another massive night shooting the ball. 40 points. 15 of 27, 9 of 16 from 3. He's good, but he's in a hot streak. And when you're that good and you're hot, that's why you put up these outrageous numbers and start the MVP talk in the first 15 games of the year. Oh, I think he's ended it. I don't think he started it. He's ended it. He is 13. Uh, the Warriors are 13-2 and two right now after that win. That's amazing how well he's playing. It's fun to see. Other scores, uh, Philadelphia went into Denver and picked up the win, 103-89, the final there. Jokic, who was the MVP last year, went for 30, but they're lacking firepower now, PK, and no one no one could really go with him. Martin had 19, but 89 points isn't going to win you very many NBA games. Uh, sure, but isn't that, can you say that about the other team too? Oh, uh, you can because they don't have Embiid. <laughs> so I'd make that trade if I was Denver. Bench scoring, a couple guys in double figures for the 76ers making a difference. Your household names, Bassey and Milton. But whatever, they get it done. They went on the road, so good for them. Anybody else catch your eye in the NBA? The Clippers losing to Memphis in the old-fashioned shootout in in Memphis. That's a funny, funny phrase, but okay. Yeah. Memphis wins 120 to 108. Spurs continue to suck. That's always good to see. They are uh, getting crushed by the Wolves, 115-90. to DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State, double overtime. They win. They beat Penn, 87-79. We were talking about Justin Bean and how well he's played. He's taken it up a level. And he is putting up massive, massive stats. 33 points, 16 rebounds in the double overtime win. Justin Bean Bryant. That's what I call him. As in Jelly Bean Bryant? Kobe Bean Bryant. Yeah, okay. No, go a little, little more current than that. I didn't hear Kobe Bean. I always heard Jelly Bean, his dad. Oh, they called him Kobe Bean Bryant a million times you over. called him all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> Never blanked it out. <laughs> 
Utah State takes on New Mexico State this morning, 10 a.m. Myrtle Beach. That's a big win for those guys against non-scholarship players. (laughs) (laughs) Taking down the Ivy League. How are they doing with the NIL money? They got got Penn alumni funneling them uh, stock options or what? They win no matter what the final score is if you're going to an Ivy League school. Scotty will have the pregame show 9.30 this morning. The game tips off at 10 a.m. You can listen on 12.80 The Zone. Weber State beat UMass 88-73. They took over in the second half and pulled away in the Jersey Mike's Invitational. And Cal beat Southern Utah 75-68. Utes have Boston College in the opening game of the Sunshine Slam tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And BYU, after playing some big-name opponents, has Central Methodist at the Marriott Center tomorrow night. NAI school. Need a breather every once in a while, PK. And they're getting a breather. How do you know? (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Ryan from the gun takes the snap. Second and long. Fires out to the left. A tall pass. Off the hands of the carries. Picked up by J.C. Jackson. Stepped out of bounds, the official says. But it's an interception. Third down and five snap. He's back in the pocket. He fires across. It's picked up by Kyle Van Noy. And he's going to take it to the right side. 20 to the 15. Outside to the 10 to the 5. And into the end zone. That is a third pick six for the Patriots in their last four games. Shotgun snap. Takes it. Throws it out to the left. And it's a diving interception. Another theft for the Patriots. Take a knee. And who has it? Adrian Phillips. <laughs> and the New England Patriots shut out the Atlanta Falcons 25 to nothing. Kyle Van Oy with two sacks on the same drive. Van Oy with the pick six you heard right there. Atlanta, three quarterbacks play. They combined to throw four interceptions. Felipe Franks only got to throw one pass, and it got picked off. Never heard of him. Heard of Josh Rosen. He got to throw three passes, and he got picked off. And Ryan threw a couple. Patriots are 7-4 and four with a five-game winning streak. Are we ready for the hoodie back in the playoffs? He's got a tough stretch of games to negotiate coming up. Sure, it's I'm 7-4, and four, they're looking good. Whoever, whoever makes it, it's fine with me. Titans and Bills the next two weeks, and they got the Bills uh, twice in the next four weeks. So plenty of big games and big tests for the Patriots. Got a chance to win the division depending on how they handle these games. NFL games this weekend, Cowboys and Chiefs, one of the bigger matchups of the weekend. You ready to see if the Chiefs are back? they got a little uh, streak going here. They've taken over first place in the AFC West. I'm ready. Cowboys have dominated the NFC East. Also coming up this weekend, the Bengals and Raiders, or the uh, Packers and Vikings. Some of the games will be shown. And then the Sunday night game, Steelers and Chargers. Two of the many teams that are slightly over 500 in the AFC vying for playoff berths. Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown has been accused of obtaining a fake COVID-19 vaccination card, according to the Tampa Bay Times. Former personal chef for the wide receiver says Brown had his girlfriend reach out to Reese, Stephen Reese is the chef, over the summer to obtain the fake vaccination card. Yeah, I used to do that, man. Before I was uh, of legal age, you get a fake vaccination card and get in. <laughs> That's not the fake card you would get. <laughs> DJ and PK.
Hashtag BYU. Cougars in Georgia to take on the Georgia Southern Eagles. A 3-7 record coming out of the Sun Belt Conference. BYU favored by 20 points. You got any storylines for this game, PK? Win and don't get hurt, yeah. Win, don't get hurt, and get ready for USC. Pre-game show for the Cougars starts at 1 o'clock, live from JCW's in Provo. One more year of these November schedules and then into the Big 12, and there'll be big conference games in November, and this will have a totally different vibe. Ah, you don't know that. I mean, they could play Kansas in November. But it could still matter in the race. And it could not. <laughs> Kansas will be out if BYU's out then. Yeah. Hence, you don't know. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. Utes and the Oregon Ducks, 5.30 on ABC. You want to win free tickets to that game? Stop by. We're at the Murdoch Chevrolet and Woods Cross. we got a pair of tickets to give away. It's enter to win. Ute fans, stop by. Drop your name in the bucket, and we will draw the winner coming up at the end of the show. So stop by Murdoch Chevrolet here in Woods Cross. Utah and Oregon. Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce will have a pregame show for you at 4.30. They're going to kick off at 5.30. How do you feel about the U defense, PK? Are they going to slow down that Oregon rushing attack? Make them throw? You've been down on the Oregon passing game all year. It's a clear recipe to do well. Yeah, the numbers for Utah, are, I mean, they just jump out at you. If the team goes over 200 yards rushing the opponent, their win percentage goes way down. Way down. And if it's under, their win percentage is incredible. So... If they can do that and keep Brown contained, then I think they've got an excellent chance to win. Oregon 9-1. They do have that loss to Stanford. But uh, other than that, it's been an awesome year for them. Haven't had to play any close games lately. Last three of all, they won them all by 10 points or more. But early in the year, they played a bunch of one-score games. And the Utes rolling now, too. Having won six of their last seven games. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Utah State and Wyoming Maverick Stadium. It is senior day, 6 o'clock tomorrow night on the CBS Sports Network. Zone coverage begins at 5 o'clock. Utah State 8-2. and two. They're not going to blow this it's on senior night, are they? I wouldn't think so. Their only losses have been at home, Boise State and BYU and Wyoming. Not that caliber of opponent. Not right now, no. Losers of five of their last six games. But, you know, at the same time, as I said yesterday, Vegas took them right down to the wire. Had to score right at the bitter end to get that W. The birth in the Mountain West Conference title game riding on this. Utah State needs to win this and at New Mexico next weekend, and they will be off the Mountain West Conference title game. Location to be determined, but they'll punch their ticket no matter what if they win the last two games. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. I coach uh, the University of Oklahoma football team, and you guys know me. You know how I feel about this place and this program. So I, we've, we've been down this road many times before. You, you guys know where I stand on that, and that hadn't changed. Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma coach. There's some big-name, big-money jobs out there. So even coaches who are big names who have big-money jobs, their names are getting mentioned. Michigan State coach Mel Tucker. Could receive a significant new contract, reportedly 10 years, $95 million, to stay at Michigan State. He says Michigan State's a destination job, and he never intended to just pass through. 
although he just passed through his last job at Colorado. And Michigan State people are nervous because once upon a time, they lost Nick Saban to LSU. They don't want to lose Mel Tucker. The good times are rolling. Yeah, that's a staggering amount of money that they're going to give him in a, in a basically a, a, you know, a lifetime contract, in a sense, after very little success. Now, the reason why it's very little success, because he's only been there, if you don't count last year, which was a you know, funky year, uh, this is his first year, right? And so... And they're 9-1. Um, and one. Yeah, That's great. They beat Michigan, and they're playing Ohio State this weekend. I remember weekend. years ago, yeah. Notre Dame did that with Charlie Weiss. and, and That went wrong. No, didn't go. Yeah, but... If he thinks it's the destination job, then it is. But, you know, you pull the same statements, basically, not to this degree, at Colorado. Uh, I'll give you a pass because they doubled your salary, and who am I to tell you not to take it? Uh, But here it doesn't seem like money is much of an object. And so if you do it again, then I'm done believing you. (laughs) Fool me once? Yeah. I don't Uh think he fooled me that time because they doubled his salary. But 10 years of $95 million puts you at the top of the pay scale in college football right, right now. Right, right. Now, over the course of the 10 years, you probably won't stay at the top of the pay scale, but they can also tear up the deal and give you a new one. We've seen that done. So, 10 years, $95 million, That's Nobody's getting more years. Nobody's getting more money. So, you're set. Michigan State and Ohio State, 10 a.m. on ABC. Huge game right there for those two teams. Uh, Arkansas, Alabama, and Utah, Oregon are the other three games this week matching matching ranked teams. Iowa State is not ranked. Iowa State and, um, and Oklahoma at 10 a.m. on Fox. Oklahoma just got their first loss, which may have finished off their playoff hopes, but a second loss to Iowa State certainly will. Well, I, mean, I think it's a big game is uh, with Oklahoma State coming up. Yes. They got Bedlam the next week. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball Awards Week. Now it's the MVP Awards. Shohei Otani. Unanimous selection is the AL MVP. Now you can't be surprised he won a PK, but are you surprised it was unanimous that one or two people didn't say, oh, he didn't play for a good enough team? You got to win more to be the MVP. Well, if you pose it like that. I mean, he hit two fifty-seven. Yeah, but his power numbers and his pitching, batting average, having been devalued over the last decade. Well, his pitching was so impressive, and giving the Cy Young. Yeah, right. So he gets the AL MVP, and Bryce Harper for the Phillies gets the NL MVP. Two non-playoff teams. Yep, yep. The winning was not a uh, big factor in the voting for either one of these guys. Major League Baseball owners have not yet decided to lock out players if there's no new labor deal after the December 1 expiration date of the current one. Commissioner Rob Manfred said Thursday he highlighted the folly of not doing so in 1994 that led to a crippling strike and added that an off-season lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. He added, I don't think 94 worked out too great for anybody. I think we need to look at other sports pattern has become to control the timing of the labor dispute, try to minimize the prospect of actual disruption of the season. You follow that for me, would you? Okay. Once we get labor dispute, I check out. (laughs) Do you care if they miss spring training? Because that seems in jeopardy. I'm a sports fan, not a labor fan. So, I'm a kid when it comes to this stuff. Uh, Whatever they do or don't do, whatever. It doesn't matter what I think. 
What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, is going to join us in our next segment. Danny Reed, play-by-play voice for Georgia Southern at 8 o'clock. And Joe Ingles will be here at 8.30 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're broadcasting live. Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. Stop on by. They've got the 2022 Silverado up to $1,500 off. The 2022 Equinox, Blazer, or Traverse up to 0% financing for 72 months. It's the time of year where the Murdoch Auto Team and customers are giving back to the communities that we all live in and serve. Murdoch Chevy partnering with Al Sporting Goods and the Utah Foster Care System this year. For every new car sold in the month of November, customers will receive a $100 Al Sporting Goods gift card with a Murdoch VIP discount code, which give the customer up to 30 to 50% off. And a portion of every new car sale will be donated to the Utah foster care system. Over the past two years, the Murdoch Auto Team has been able to put over 400 pairs of new snow boots on the feet of Utah foster care children. Murdoch dealerships from Logan to Linden covering the Wasatch Front. We are here in Woods Cross this morning. And if you want to go to the Utah-Oregon football game tomorrow night, stop by this morning and enter to win tickets. We'll be drawing for the winner at the end of the show. So you can stop by and enter right now. we got tons of jazz gear. Table next to us set up with jazz hats, jazz T-shirts, tons of jazz gear. Maybe PK will let you rip a hat right off his head. You never know. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. This week's Raider game against the Bengals is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. David Locke is going to join us here momentarily. Jazz coming off a win over the Toronto Raptors. And PK, that was a tale of two halves. The lousy version of the Jazz turned the ball over, gave up a gazillion rebounds, trailed at halftime. The fabulous version of the Jazz hit three-pointers, moved the ball, and dominated the second half. I didn't think they were lousy in the first half. Really? Lousy? Yes. That's too strong. 27 points off uh, second-chance points and uh, turnovers. And you're down by two or three? Yep. That's in great spot. Yeah, but you're playing Toronto, who's got a losing record on the road, lost five out of six. I mean, the Jazz are going to be measured against better teams. Uh, sure, but they weren't playing better teams. That's what I'm saying. They're playing Toronto. Right. Who they crushed. And who is the worst matchup possible for them. 
<laughs> just grab that. Hold on, baby. Just give that a long. Only hug. know what I read. <laughs> you said you're going to confront him on this, so you. David better. Locke. Yeah, we'll make it the first question. <laughs> well, I think that you know your opponent, and that factors into your mental sharpness too. So by halftime, there was a sense of urgency. Like, okay, yeah. we're screwing around and messing this up. Let's knock it off. Right. Everything that they were doing wrong was fixable. So it and they fixed it. Yeah. They stopped giving up so many rebounds, and offensive rebounds especially, and they stopped turning the ball over. They had one where Donovan expected Joe to zig, and he zagged and threw the ball into the backcourt, and the frustration was obvious. And Shortly after that, the Jazz started rolling. Yeah, I think that was in the third quarter, though, wasn't it? Right. It was, yeah. it was early in the third quarter. Yeah. And clearly that's the kind of thing they've been talking about at halftime. All right. Quit turning the ball over. We're screwing this game up. Let's go. For a November 18th game, I uh, couldn't have been happier. The second half was 58-40 to 40 Jazz. That's a butt kicking. Yeah. They do that, they're going to have all sorts of success. And it's a long time between now and the postseason. So <laughs> I'm not even thinking of that. You know, we're not even to Christmas. Thanksgiving, obviously. 67 so, games to yeah, go. So, it's, in a sense... Not completely, but in a sense, these are preseason games. I mean, it just has no bearing on anything. The only way, the only reason we're going to remember this game is because it was Rudy Gay's first game, and, and it was he like shot out. the three so well. Yeah, and he looked like wow. If he comes anywhere near doing that, that's the greatest pickup in franchise history. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, if Rudy Gay shoots eighty percent from three, yeah. the Jazz are going to be really good. Right. If he plays like that. And and the thing that I loved was his level of confidence. I mean, he just seemed like, and he's a veteran guy. He's 35 years old. So why, why wouldn't he? He's had a lot of individual success in this league mm-hmm. because if you're 35 years old and you've been in the league this long, just by definition, just by the fact that you remain in the league, you've had to have some type of success, right? You're not going to get to this point. By being end of the bench yeah. guy who rarely plays right. for the 15th straight year. Right. You're not a backup, <laughs> right. co- you're not a backup exactly. quarterback right. behind exactly. a Hall of Famer. Right, which that happens in that league. Right. And doesn't really happen in this league, you know, because of the salary cap. And the more you advance in the league, the more money you make. And so the more they, they can't, can't afford, afford you. you. Right. Uh, so, um, but you couldn't have been more impressed. And even, even the shots went in, but the, the, just his stature and his body language and all that stuff is something you'd expect from someone who has so much experience and understands exactly what he's getting into. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in David Locke, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team, and he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain's given free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. David, good morning. How are my friends over at Murdoch? Uh, they are good. We are at Murdoch Chevy in Woods Cross this morning with Utah, Oregon tickets to give away. Stop by, enter to win. We will draw the winner uh, at the end of the show. If somebody wants to go to the big game tomorrow night. So, Do we want Utah good. to win this game? Well, if you're a Utah fan, yes. And if you're a BYU fan, no. <laughs> right, but even but if Utah loses, you're a Stanford fan. I would think that no, you don't want Utah to win because you want Oregon to go to the playoff, and Oregon's no, got to so, win them we're all. We're so horrendously terrible. Why would you want that? Because they want care. the money. They're, they get more money. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll take the money. And, but and you want the, just the rep of the Phil Pac-12 Knight being outfits both programs. True man. story. That's another reason you got to be nice to Uncle Phil. <laughs> and your Pac-12 right. team, you're just sick of hearing the Pac-12 can't get a team in the playoff. Get a team in the playoff. Right. Isn't it actually advantageous for Utah to lose both games to Oregon and then just go play the Rose Bowl? Not necessarily, no. I mean, they could get bypassed depending on what other teams do. Would they take eight oh, and five? Even Utah, if, they win, if, they, if, it, if ASU wins out, they could be nine and three. If UCLA wins out, they're eight and four. Your scenario, Utah's eight and five. They could be two teams, and then they don't make the Rose Bowl. Oh. Right. All right. I'm just trying to get Kyle Colorado. in the Rose Bowl. Uh, yeah, I don't think he wants to backdoor it though. Fair enough. Run the table. Yeah, take care of it. Yeah, that'll solve it. He'd want it then, for sure. Yeah, beat Oregon, beat Colorado, win the Pac-12 title game, win the Rose Bowl. Boom. Yeah. You, wow. fans, you fans are take signing off on that. And yeah, right. Take a chariot and sign off. Yeah, absolutely. Finish on that. Be like the second what? biggest win in franchise in school history. Behind? Uh, isn't the Alabama win the biggest win ever? Winning a Rose Bowl as a Pac-12 champ might be bigger. I guess we have to see how it plays out. The Alabama win was huge. I guess we have to see how it plays out, who they get, blah, blah, blah. All right, David. So uh, you posted yesterday, and PK saw this and read it, and he has run with it, and I couldn't believe you said this. Toronto, what's the quote, PK? Toronto. Something like the most difficult matchup. Worst possible matchup? Golden State would be a tougher <laughs> matchup than Toronto. How can Toronto be the worst possible matchup, David? Because I think with Toronto, with OG Ananobi as well, they, they obviously are missing, you know, arguably their best player. Um, they what The things they do well are the things that we don't do well. Um, and so that's why it's such a tough matchup. So they play in transition. We don't defend in transition. They force turnovers. We have a propensity for turnovers. They lead the league in offensive rebounding. We have shown a, a tendency to not protect the defensive glass, and we're small, other than Rudy. Um, they play a handoff game instead of a pick-and-roll game, which is our strength is pick-and-roll defense. If we have a weakness, it's transition defense and half and handoff defense. So when you start to kind of look at all the things that they do well, they also match all the things we don't do well. Um, they're wildly athletic and long. We're not. Um, so, you know, they've been really built on athletes. You know, at one point last night, they checked in two guys that were 6'9", 200 pounds. I'm not sure there's three guys in the NBA that are 6'9", 200 pounds. You know, Masai Ujiri looks for a certain type of player and goes and grabs them. We look for a certain type of player and go and get them. They're just different. And so, you know, ours are, uh, with Rudy, have all been offensive-minded scoring players. Um, and, you know, they, they look at athletic, defensive, turnover-forcing speed. Like Nick Nurse actually was kind of making a joke in the pregame, was re- like referencing speed as a player. And, and that's what they do. They play a speed game. So those weaknesses that you just mentioned, we all know about them, but how serious are they? Well, last night they weren't very serious. I mean, we turned it over a lot, but I don't really care if we turn it over and have an offensive rating of 125. Um, So, you know, last night they were not particularly significant. We dealt with it really well. We moved the ball. Um, 
you know, they were not at full strength. They're not great anymore. You know, Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry are missing, and they're playing a lot of young kids. And when suddenly they lose 40 minutes of OG and Anobi, then that drop, you know, then they're playing some guys that, that are a pretty big drop. And we took advantage of that. But I thought we were really good last night. I don't want to, you know, that is what I just said is true that they were missing guys that are really, that you know, a, a guy that's super important to a team that's not as deep as it once was. And so on one level, you don't want to minimize it. On the other level, we were just really good last night. They, we played with a pretty good tenacity. We moved the ball. We stayed sharp. Um, we adjusted really well throughout the game. There was We were playing our bigs. We're, our level, big level of the screen was off in the second quarter, and they torched us. Um, both Van Vliet and Trent got going. I think their offensive rating in the second quarter was like 150. Um, and then, you know, and then we adjusted. So, um, you know, I think you also saw, uh, I was talking to someone who, you know, knows the game way better than me on um, whatever night that was before a game, prepping for them. And I just kind of sent out a text to someone and said, like, why aren't they winning more? They're really good. And they just said, you're playing too many young guys. And, you know, I think we, we, we love young guys, and they're really fun and exciting. They just don't win in, in this league. It's just too hard. So, you know, Scotty Barnes is a nice player, and Blanton's kind of an interesting heck of a late second-round pick. And Malachi Flynn had to play a lot last night. He's an okay player who I really liked out of the draft. was pretty bad last night, but, you know, he's really basically a rookie. Uh, Precious Sachua, who didn't play last night, is basically a rookie. You know, they're just playing a lot of young players. Young players don't win in this league. So at halftime, the Jazz were uh, suffering from all the matchup issues you talk about. There were too many offensive rebounds for Toronto. There were too many points in transition off of turnovers. Toronto's up 63-61. And they've got almost half their points off turnovers and offensive rebounds. The Jazz, man, they shut that faucet off in the second half, and they were hitting shots. So the Jazz win the second half 58-40. Is it as simple as the team just getting focused, uh, more intense, paying attention to details, whatever you want? Is it just as simple as that? And for, I don't know, 70, 80, 90% of the league, the Jazz will just handle them. If they just focus on a a few of their weaknesses, because it it changed everything in the second half. So – Two things on that, DJ. One is I think you're exactly right. Um, and Ron Boone said it after the game. If you looked at the – he would suspect that you looked at Toronto and they got worse quarter by quarter in every game they played because they're, so, they're just unique and different and play with such tenacity that as the, as the game went on, teams would figure them out. The data actually doesn't back that up, but it makes – I think the eyeball test is right on that. That You know, there are a few teams in this league who just play very differently than everybody else in the league. Golden State right now is is one of them, and it's just not a common way to play. Miami's another, and so I think it takes a little while for people to kind of figure it out, and the Jazz did figure out. The other one is let's go to the Jazz strengths. So the Jazz strengths are if you're in the half court, our defense is still really Mm -hmm. good. We've just really struggled in transition this year. And we struggle when people get second-chance opportunities. So if you cut off the faucet to those two things, we're now playing to our – and you're making shots, which the Jazz were in the third quarter. I think she shot almost 70%. You can't get out in transition. You're in the half court against the Jazz. And then if you go to Toronto's weaknesses, they're a terrible pick-and-roll team. That's why they run so many handoffs. Van Vliet's like .8 points per pick-and-roll. And he runs 50% of their pick-and-rolls. So, and so he's not – 
they don't have an option in the half court against us. Like I mean, they, they their transi- their transition their handoff game is a speed early handoff downhill game, and we just cut that off. And and once we kind of figured out the level of screen for our bigs, it was it was lights out. They they just couldn't score in the half court. I think they were about point eight points for half court possession. How's that? Just data. Just data. Take that for data, Patrick Kinahan. Take that for data. That was the Memphis guy who's now the assistant coach at the for the Lakers, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that where Fizz is? Yeah, I think that's where Fizz is. Yeah. Mr. Fizzdale. Um, so do long you time see... Mi- long time Miami Heat assistant before yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, LA, LA City kid. Uh, do you oh, see yeah. it was just a trade-off for... Gay for pa- uh, Pascal, is that you, how you see Rudy being implemented in the lineup? Oh, I think he starts to take Joe a few from Joe and a few from Jordan if he plays well. Like, I mean, he's really good. Like, if he's, I mean, it depends if he's better than they are, right? Like, so I don't know what, I, I, you know, last night was exceptional. Um, he brings great size. He brings some rebounding. Um, might take a few from Whiteside. Okay. Might play some center. Um, he played played center last year. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure how it plays out. And defensively is going to be the question of what he can do in space at this age. Um, and he revealed last night via Instagram and his post game that it's been six months. I mean, this is so, I mean, that's a long journey for a guy. And he said it like uh, you have to be a little crazy and, you know, probably 16 years in the league with all your accolades to go through a six month rehab. So he had surgery what six months may. Is that right? Um, you know, that's a long journey back. So he had to teach himself how to walk again. Um, so this is really, you know, I, I don't, you know, I didn't know what it was, but this sounds really significant. And so um, I, I do think let's, you know, last night was fabulous. He's the heck of a player. He's got a lot of accolades. He's shown to be a chameleon uh, and be able to adjust to his scene beautifully uh, in San Antonio, depending on their needs. But let's let's let some time play out and have a larger sample size and see where his body is at this age and what his lateral quickness still is and some things like that. He's old. He's played a lot of, he's played a thousand and ten games in this league. It's an incredible amount. Um, and so, you know, depending on what he can do, if he's, if he's Rudy Gay really high level, then he's going to take a lot of guys minutes because he's better than there. David Locke joining us here. David, I'm figuring that uh, it's the NBA. Somebody's going to get hurt, so the whole minutes thing is just going to play itself out. So 100%. What you're saying about is who's going to get the playoff minutes, and even that could vary series to series based on the matchup. But I think the thing Rudy Gay could give them, and it's could, so I'm interested to what degree you believe this, is that we know the Jazz want – layups and dunks at the rim, and we know they want threes and free throws. But you need a little bit of a mid-range game, and when a team starts switching everything, you got to have some matchups where you're going to win. Is Rudy Gay going to punish smaller guys who switch on to him? Is he going to move them in that 10 to 12 to 15-foot range and score over them and give the Jazz another option in an area of the game where we know they have struggled at times in playoff series and ended up getting eliminated? Is he going to provide that? And if so, so to what level? Yeah, I mean, let's go to the Clippers. So just to build off what you're saying, and then I, I don't know if I have an answer, but you know, let's go to the Clippers series. The Jazz... They're switching one through five. They have four guys on the floor that are six eight two twenty, which was unique to the Clippers. And then they have Reggie Jackson, who's big. He's six four, but he was the weak. So, with Rudy Gay in theory, at that point you go probably to some sort of a lineup that maybe either Gay's at the center or he's 
at least at times, you're not going to play without Rudy. Like, let's, let's you know, Rudy's going to play. Rudy's, like, our, one of our two best players. He's going to play. Um, but there might be some minutes in which Rudy Gay plays instead of Rudy Gobert, or you just have Rudy Gay on the floor, and you run an uh, interchange, and then Reggie Jackson at 6'4 is guarded by Rudy Gay, and you send him down to the post. Um, the Jazz have a particular play that they run that Rudy Gay runs off a pick and then immediately takes the point, the smaller guard into the post for a post-up. You'll see it. Um, I mean, they've run it with Boyan, so it's the same play. Um, I, I won't give you the play call. It'll probably be frowned upon. Uh, but So, yes, you will see teams switching one through five and then the Jazz running. Um, or even teams switching one through four, which is maybe more common, and seeing the Jazz take Rudy Gay into the post on that smaller guard um, and and try to take advantage of some post play. I think then teams quickly double, and the question is whether Rudy Gay moves it well enough to open shooters and hit threes. Take that for data. <laughs> take that for data. All right, more data. The Kings, the Jazz will try to beat them a third time here. Game 16, they're already putting the Kings a third time. That's odd. But uh, that's uh, Saturday night, 8 o'clock start on the Zone Sports Network. And David Locke will have the call let me, for you. Let me see if you buy this theory. Tell me if you buy this. The Kings dictate this game on Saturday. As good as the Jazz are, and the Jazz are better than Sacramento, when you're playing a team a third time in 30 days, they might be broken, right? They've already they, they've looked in the mirror already. They've lost five or six, six or seven, something disaster. Their only wins against Detroit, bad stretch. But if they're not broken and they still believe, shouldn't they get us once out of third in 30, 30 days? Guess that depends on how good you think the Jazz are, because there are sweeps in the NBA. I know there aren't a lot of them, but they are sweeps, and they happen when one of the best teams plays one of the worst teams. Well, are the Jazz one of the best teams and the Spurs one of the worst teams? Raise the expectations here, David. The Jazz are good. They're really good. No, they Especially are really good. I don't think focus. Sacramento I don't think Sacramento's one of the I guess this is what I'm saying. If Sacramento we're gonna find out if Sacramento's really one of the worst teams. Yeah. Well they're I not the Pelicans they they're not the Pelicans without Zion and they're not Houston trying to rebuild from the ashes, so we we might see Zion, by the way. You guys pick that up? I'm waiting for PK to say so. I see Zion every day, guys. <laughs> ah, nice. Nice. Well, well played. You know, well. it is such a pleasure <laughs> to do a show with you guys. I just, you know what? Like, I come on with a smile. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Your knowledge base is fabulous. Your humor, well, it's okay. <laughs> and you guys are really, you're two of the best. And it's a great pleasure to be on the show. All right. Thank you, David. We will talk to you again next week, and we will hear you in Sacramento tomorrow night as the Jazz try to make it three in a row over the Kings. You bet. All right. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280. That's tough, Sneaky. If you play play one team just like once in six months, it's tough to beat them. (laughs) (laughs) There are sweeps, and they usually come when the best teams play the worst teams. Dell. Jazz are really one of the best. Make a run at it. All you got to do is be better. There you go.
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Joe Ingles is coming up at 830 right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's the final home game of the regular season for Blake Anderson and Utah State as the 8-2 Aggies welcome in Wyoming for a key Mountain West Conference showdown. Listen all week long for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch all the play-by-play action beginning with the Aggie pregame show Saturday at 5. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. PK, you're not exactly stat guy, but when it comes to Utah and Oregon, you mentioned it uh, earlier this morning, there is one stat to watch, one number to watch. It goes a long way towards deciding winning and losing. The final score. And you brought up a stat other than that, (laughs) but you're right about the final score. Uh, Kyle Winningham always says turnovers are the second most important stat right after the final score. Yeah, I think that it's rushing attack. If Oregon has all sorts of success rushing the ball, they'll win the game. If they don't, they'll lose. So, I mean, the last few games have been going for 300. Obviously, that's an obscene amount of num- amount of yardage to give up if you're a defense. If Oregon gets over 200, 250, uh, they're going to win. I mean, 200, I'm a little bit... Uh, 200 feels like a push zone and it, anything it, could happen? It, it might, and then you have to factor other things in. Because I think if you get 300, it's then, over. <laughs> then there's really not a whole lot of the stuff that you need to worry about factoring in. Yeah, at 300, it's over. Unless you get down to the two-yard line and fumble it four times in a row or something stupid like that. Yeah, pretty crazy and off the charts. But the point is, at that point, it's over. Yes, if they, if they get 300, there's no way I see the Utes winning 200 because they emphasize the run so much, they might be able to uh, withstand that. Especially if you mix in a turnover, a missed field goal, some wasted yards yeah. that don't lead to points. And your offense stuff. is doing very well, which I suspect their offense will be okay. Uh, and if it gets in the middle, 250, I'd probably favor Oregon there too uh, because that's a lot of yardage to give up on the ground. 200 is a lot of yardage to give up on the ground. Uh, but that's what they do. And, you know, they've got a whole slew of guys. They've seemed like they've had a whole slew of guys for 10 years. Well, 200 yards has been a problem number for the Utes in all three of their losses. The three opponents picked up 200-plus yards rushing. Oregon State had 260. So when you talk about some of those bigger numbers, um, I mean, there you go. BYU went over 200 yards. San Diego State went over 200 yards. And UCLA usually runs the ball pretty well, but they only went for 165, and the Utes won that game. Their so, quarterback was out, and he's... Yep, he might have helped him get over 200 yards, and they didn't do it. So circle 200 is the big number to watch for uh, in this game. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then, as always, uh, Kyle will tell you, well, check the turnovers, too. If we turn it over a second or third time, we start getting into – he would tell you that you'd start getting in danger, danger territory at that point. I don't really see a lot of turnovers in this game. Really? No. Be- because? Uh, be- because if you run the ball, hold on to it. I mean, that's like the least – that's the best safeguard against turnovers. You you can prevent fumbles much easier than you can prevent interceptions. So don't don't do that. I mean, just just don't do it. Anybody gets near you, put two hands on it, cradle it, blah blah blah, like the baby and all that crap, and away you go. <laughs> like the baby yeah. and all that crap. Yeah, I mean coaching cliche and yeah, yada yada. So yeah, do that and, and you'll be fine. All right, DJ PK, we're broadcasting live right now. We are at Murdoch Chevrolet, 2375 South, 625 West, right off the freeway in Woods Cross. They've got, uh, they've got deals going. The 2022 Silverado is up to $1,500 off, and they got 0% financing for six years on the 2022 Equinox Blazer or Trevor. So it's also the season of giving. It's a time of year where the Murdoch Auto Team and the Murdoch customers are giving back to the communities that we all live and serve in. Murdoch partnering with Al Sporting Goods and the Utah Foster Care System. So for every new car they sell in the month of November, customers get a $100 Al Sporting Goods gift card with a Murdoch VIP discount code, which gives the customer up to 30 to 50% off. A portion of every new car sale will be donated to the Utah Foster Care System. And over the past two years, the Murdoch Auto Team has been able to put over 400 pairs of new snow boots on the feet of Utah foster care children. Remember, dealerships from Logan to Linden and over 1,000 quality used vehicles in the Murdoch family of dealerships. Every used vehicle comes with full point multi-inspection, five-day exchange policy, three-month or 3,000-mile powertrain warranty, complimentary Carfax report, and complimentary car washes for life. We're broadcasting live at the Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. We'll be here till 10 a.m. we got tons of jazz gear, lots of hats for you to choose from, lots of stock lots of colors, plenty of shirts as well. And everybody who stops by, you can enter to win tickets to see Utah and Oregon. You can go to the big game tomorrow night. We'll give away a pair of tickets at the end of the show. Stop by. We're at Murdoch Chevrolet, and we are at 2375 South, 625 West, right off the freeway in Woods Cross. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's time to talk BYU football with Danny Reed, the play-by-play voice of Georgia Southern. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Danny, good morning. Good morning, boys. I appreciate the Tom Petty learning to fly as my intro music. That was well done. <laughs> Jake, Jake is in charge of those things. Yach is, uh, <laughs> is all powerful when it comes to uh, music choices during the course of the show. Unless PK starts singing, but PK's voice is taking a beating this week. So I think, uh, I think he's going to hold off on the singing until next week. 
<laughs> I guess the first question for you right out of the gates is uh, the point spread in this is huge. The assumption is BYU is going to win big. Uh, aside from a slew of fumbles, a slew of turnovers that will change any football game. Aside from that, is there any reason to think that uh, the point spread and the expectations are off base? No, the way that Georgia Southern's played this year, the way that BYU has played lately, it lends it to the fact that even though Georgia Southern has been great at home historically, it just hasn't been a very good Statesboro. And you can kind of look at changing coaches four games into the season to think that, okay, the season's definitely going to go one way instead of the other. But I will applaud what interim head coach Kevin Whitley has done to at least stabilize things and make sure things don't go completely off rails. Getting a win last week against Texas State meant a lot. And even though it was an ugly win, it still was a win. But I do anticipate a factor that Paulson Stadium hasn't had in five years, and it's the fact that it's going to be a sellout crowd. We haven't had more than 20,000 people in the stands since 2016 working to get close to that last year with covid but when those guys take the field whether you're a cougar or an eagle on saturday and they see that those fans are completely in the stands i think it's going to add an element that we just haven't seen and i'm curious to see how both deal with it so i can look at the stats and and try to figure out what's going on but why don't you just tell us what do you think that the team does best offensively for Georgia Southern, it's typically about the run game. They've been so steep in the option when they brought the program back 40 years ago. And it was Tracy Ham's slant on the option, affectionately called the ham bone, led national championships in 85 and 86. And it, it just kept continuing, whether it was Paul Johnson, Mike Seawalk, Jeff Munkin. It's always been about the option. Seven years ago, adapting that to more of a shotgun pistol look, still kept winning. But then after another coaching change, it's just been very inconsistent since outside of a 2018 season when the Eagles won 10 games. This year, they're doing a little bit of everything. They're still running option. It's not nearly as much. They've implemented RPO. They've implemented drop back. They've tried to dip their toe into a lot of different pools. And when you have to start three different quarterbacks the first three weeks of the season, you've got a bunch of guys that are injured in your skill positions. It, it, it's, it's tough to say that the Eagles are still a true option team. You might see... 10 to 15 snaps of it all total tomorrow in terms of pitch phase. But run game, it's a lot of inside zone. It's a lot of pulling the backside guard, the old gap scheme. It's just Georgia Southern trying to find what works because when they've gone option, typically that has not given them success this year. So on the defensive side of the ball, uh, how does Georgia Southern stop Tyler Algier, who's over 1,000 yards running, and he's not the only running back who can hurt you, and the quarterback can run, and the quarterback has also had success throwing to tight ends and multiple wide receivers. Which of those options scares Georgia Southern the most? Uh, I don't think there's one over the other. I think it's the fact that it's all of them. We meet with our coordinators every Thursday and talking with Scott Sloan. This is an offense that isn't that complicated, but they just do so many things well. Receivers that catch, receivers that challenge, receivers that adjust to the football, a quarterback that can do everything, whether it's run, pass, or just be poised in the pocket. For somebody that doesn't have that 6-6 frame, I've never seen somebody more relaxed in the pocket in all the film that I've watched. And then, oh, by the way, Algier is seventh of the country in rushing. He reminds me a lot of Adrian Peterson 
who of course played here and won the Peyton Award as the school's all-time leading rusher, D1's all-time leading rusher in the regular season. And I say that for the way that people just seem to bounce off of him whenever he gets any kind of contact. It looks effortless for him. And I know he's only a sophomore, but I anticipate that he's going to be running up and down NFL fields very soon. And I don't know how the game's going to go tomorrow, but it's going to be a pleasure to watch him work however long he's out there. What is uh, Clay Helton doing as far as being active in the program? He's been here for a little more than two weeks. He's been hitting the recruiting trail quite a bit. He's been going to some community events. We actually have a Feed the Borough event tomorrow morning right before kickoff that he's going to be at over at Statesboro High School. He's been trying to shake as many hands as possible, meet as many people as possible, and really for him he's learning on the fly about the culture of Georgia Southern, which is good and bad. But for somebody that's trying to put the program back to where it was not too long ago, the fact that he can learn about so many successes and things that haven't worked, he's getting both ends of the story at the same time. And as he's going to try to eventually get onto the field, build a staff, get his coordinators, figure out who he needs to recruit, that's when rubber will meet road. But right now, it's a lot of goodwill stuff. He will be at the game tomorrow. His wife is actually going to be shooting off the the cannon from the Georgia National Guard that's been – put in our stadium over the last four years so that's going to be a cool thing for them and after he saw a torrential downpour against coastal carolina two weeks ago he's going to see beautiful weather tomorrow in a packed stadium so this is going to put him in a lot better mood i would think yeah <laughs> so we have uh here in utah traditionally kind of things have kind of faced towards california there's a lot of californians here but over time we've gotten accustomed to Texas football TCU was in the same league and we hear about uh, with Utah and BYU for a while and so we hear about and we see how much passion there is how many fans there are how many uh, athletes there are in Texas and so how many college football teams they can support does Georgia have the population base the the passion and the athletes to for Clay Helton to build a really good program in Georgia Southern Oh, for sure. And I'm, I know I'm only saying it's 25,000 in the stadium, which was expanded seven years ago, but it is as rabid a fan base as you're going to find. I think it's an SEC environment, just not nearly the size of an LSU at Texas A&M and Alabama, Florida, or things of that nature. The people feel the same way about their football. It's just that the fact that their stadiums are about a quarter of the size but I think when Coach Helton got on the ground here and he started meeting people and he started truly understanding what things like True Blue and GATA and how Irk Russell just instilled a culture of winning down here and it happened so quickly, that's a lot to live up to. When you look at six national championships over a span of 15 years and 11 conference championships, and this has all been done over four decades. This isn't something that was created back in the early 1900s. It is a very proud, despite it being a relatively brief tradition, they packed so much success into a short amount of time. And those are all the things that Coach Helton is getting a chance to learn about. And he's also going to see that the state of Georgia has a lot of talent, both known and unknown. It's not always about four and five stars, which I'm sure he's going to have success at least being able to talk to. But the thing with the Eagles is they've been able to stake their claims in being just a great program without having to get those kind of players. They get the guys, the, the, the whole runs try harder deal that Eric Russell came up with, the guys that everybody overlooked that simply loved to play the game. They loved him and they loved each other. So I'm wondering if that can be balanced with an increase in recruiting, which I do think is going to happen pretty quickly once Coach gets a chance to get his thing going here within the next couple of weeks. So I'm looking at the stats on ESPN. 
and Hood looks like he's a good receiver. They list him at tight end, and then I open up the bio, 5'10", 175? Yeah, he's not a tight end. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> good. That's good news. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? <laughs> he, well, see, the offense is different because we don't really have tight ends. We have H-backs. They're listed as tight ends but they play more in that wing position. You'll see multiple guys there, whether it's Bo Johnson, who's tight end size. You'll also see Chase Hancock, and then Sean Pelkison will get some looks as well. But for Caleb, he'll play a number of different positions. He'll be involved in pitch phase when the Eagles go option, when he motions around the gun to the pistol. They'll get him in true slot where he'll catch between five and six passes. He'll be involved in the return game. And he's had to be that versatile considering that Georgia Southern's without Wesley Kennedy this year, who didn't return after he opted out towards the end of last year. He had a legal situation. Unfortunately, he had some mental health issues earlier this year. So we're hoping that things definitely improve with him. But it's just another example of how this team just keeps taking punches. And they have to keep finding ways to just get 11 on the field. Thankfully, though, with Caleb Hood, his versatility has been something that has been very good to see. Well, we appreciate the time and a little bit of a scouting report on uh, Georgia Southern. Danny, thanks for joining us, and enjoy the game. You got it, guys. Thanks very much. Danny Reed, Georgia Southern play-by-play voice. That's crazy, man. All those Georgia Southern Eagle fans decided this was the game they wanted to go to. <laughs> Danny's going to be in for a shot. <laughs> It's the first sellout crowd. People are fired up. <laughs> Might be five or 10,000 BYU fans fired up. Just saying. Oh, I would think so, yeah. yeah. I've, I have not covered Georgia Southern, but I've been there when BYU played Georgia Tech. And so I didn't know where Georgia Southern was. It's the so, south part of the state. Thanks, Coach. Uh, three and a half hours from Atlanta. An yeah. hour from Savannah. And an hour 45 to Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters. And I'm sure people drive up from Jacksonville. For BYU fans, you know, if they're not in this part of the country. They'll come from Maine. (laughs) The Bahamas. I was going to say Bermuda. I was going to say Charlotte and Columbia. Come on, pretty mama. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah, sing it. Sing it. Johnny's going to fill in and sing. Johnny's going to fill in. They'll come up from Key Largo. Yeah, I would suspect Aruba. We're on the boat right now. Oh man, nice. <laughs> yeah, you got an Ashley Rent Cougar team, and the fact they're over there—I mean, that's as far away probably as they're going to play in uh, who knows how many years. Yeah, uh, as they get into the Big Twelve schedule, you know, that's going to cut down on the. Yeah. We see the whole country, and we reach out to our fan base everywhere. Games, but I mean, they only sold that because that's what they had to sell, right? Exactly. And so they don't—they don't really want to sell that, but they sold it because that was something that sounded good. I guess West Virginia will be their game in the Eastern Time Zone every two years. Yeah. Well, then you have to see that probably Which, the 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 place where they travel the most. What's the rotation of the playoff bowls? <laughs> you know good. what I mean. So, yeah, so I, I don't have that memorized. I will once we get in and they finally get access that they've been denied all these years. Then you'll start every year you'll know Peach Bowl. Yeah, what Bowl. the ro- rotation is. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> I figure probably by, what, 2040 they'll have more Rose Bowl appearances than the Utes. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, no slowing down this train, man. I mean, come on. 
when you got God on your side and Kalani, which is kind of the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're pulling out the big guns in this segment. <laughs> well, we're go. a week away from Thanksgiving. I mean, <clears throat> he's in my heart right now. Okay, then. Kalani is, I'm speaking. Like every other week of the year. So, uh, I, there'll be so many, uh, I don't know what uh, the Eagles' uh, colors are, but there'll be so much blue in that stadium. And it's cool that it's going to be a nice day uh, to be there and to sit outside. What uh, What time does it start? The Two o'clock here. Yeah, so Two p.m. Four Mountain. o'clock there. Yeah, so at least the, the first half of the game will be in the daylight. And then you got to sign up for some something. Yeah, can you help me out? I mean, I pay like I got two television systems, and I still can't get the freaking game. True story. I've got like yeah. five people wanting to use my login, so good luck getting mine. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there's a line, you know where I start. I'm At aware. At the front. I'm aware, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> not halfway to Terra Hut. Uh-uh. No. PK I, gets Terra Hut. Right. Uh, not Terra Hut. Terra Hut. Yeah. Terra Hut. Well, it's football, man. I'm in football hut, mode. Hut. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, my own. I pay all this money. I'm paying like $9,000 a year for television, and I still can't get this freaking game. That's a true story. Yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah. Technology's awesome. I love progress. Yeah, come on. I mean, he's a nationally ranked team, man. They've been nationally That's, ranked for two straight years. Everybody's trying to find a reason to stick Blame those the games Sunday on conference. The- <laughs> well, I mean, ESPN could put it on ESPNU. They right, choose not to. Right, exactly. They, they want to see if they can get some more people to sign up for the streaming service. Well, I ain't signed up for no streaming service. <laughs> I mean, I, may, I got two. I got Comcast and, I and, and Direct. I mean, I I'm, I'm paying out through the nose to watch sports for work. Yes, I agree. I know. You're right. I mean, no joke. I must pay 400 bucks a month for all this stuff. And it's work-related, too. You got oh, yeah. your red zone, you got your Pac-12 network, but they're just going to keep spreading properties out everywhere. It'll be one more thing you have to pay for. Well, I Streaming's won't. not no. going to be cheaper. Well, right. Yeah, but once I quit the job, I ain't I know. Be- <laughs> then you don't have that whole, I have got to see this game. Right. Well, when you're retired, you don't have to. You might want to or you'd well, like it, to. It, yeah, I'm not. But you're not going to pay 400 bucks for a want to or like to. You, you're right. paying all that money because you have to. Right. Right, and yeah, so I'm not going to do that down the line when I'm going to be on a fixed income, whenever that might be. But uh, it's a good opportunity for folks down there to uh, see them, and they're going to be out there and in just massive numbers as they as they are usually. And the fact that they're flying high, what what's their record now? Eight and two. Yes. Yeah. Well, should go to nine and two. When, yes. Once you go to nine and two, no matter what happens next week, it's just a, a successful season. Hard for me to look at. Nobody was demanding ten at the start of the year. At nine and three, you're at the top end of all the predictions, or you've yeah. overachieved many of them. Well, I, I mean, I look at it. For most programs, if you win nine ball games, that's a pretty good season. And if you win ten, it's a great year. Yeah. Yeah. And anything above that is just obviously even more outstanding. DJ and PK, we are broadcasting live. We're at Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. We have got a ton of jazz gear and jazz caps. And had a uh, family just stop by a few minutes ago, and it looked like Christmas morning over there as everybody was grabbing something. So stop by Murdoch Chevrolet, Woods Cross. We've got jazz T-shirts over there. There's jazz caps over there. You can come on in, help yourself. Johnny Lightfoot, 
will sing and will help you shop for gear. So you got that going for you. He'll also make sure you register to win the Utah-Oregon tickets. We'll be giving those away at the end of the show, and somebody is going to get tickets to see the Utes and the Ducks tomorrow night. DJ and PK, we are live at Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. The 2022 Silverado is up to $1,500 off. The 2022 Equinox Blazer Traverse. All 0% financing for 72 months. And it's a season of giving. Murdoch and customers partnering to give back to the communities we all live in and serve. Murdoch partnering with Al Sporting Goods and the Utah Foster Care System. Every new car sold in the month of November, customers get a $100 Al Sporting Goods gift card with a Murdoch VIP discount code, which gives the customer up to 30 to 50% off. A portion of every new car sale will be donated to the Utah Foster Care System. Over the last two years, that has led to over 400 pairs of new snow boots for the kids in the Utah foster care uh, system. Here at Murdoch, they've got over 1,000 quality used vehicles, and they've got dealerships from Logan to Linden covering the Wasatch Front. We are here in Woods Cross. Stop by, say hello, help yourself to some uh, jazz gear, the caps and the hats, and register for those tickets to see Oregon and Utah tomorrow night. We're here till 10 a.m. Joe Ingles is coming up next right here on the Zone Sports Network. The new Zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the Zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, all day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Joe Ingles coming up momentarily here. We are broadcasting live Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. Stop by and help yourself to some jazz t-shirts, jazz caps. Think of it as an early Christmas gift. Do a little, do a little Christmas shopping here for us. Uh, oh, yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Somebody wants a jazz hat under the tree. Somebody wants a jazz t-shirt under the tree. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, Absolutely. And the price is right. You just stop by and come on down. Say hello. The price is right. Come on down. You're right. Very nice. Well played. <laughs> you don't even have to spin the wheel. Don't worry about the showcase showdown. Just come on down and help yourself. All right. The Jazz get the win over the Raptors. It's on to the Kings. PK, can they grind them out? Can they grind out one after another? That is the question right now because we don't actually think – that we need to worry about who is the better team, but who is the better team on a given night can be a different question. Well, I think they'll grind out plenty of them over the, between now and April. Well, we can ask our next guest that very question. Joe Ingles is ready to join us. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Bam. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ PK, time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Joe, do you have a birthday party to throw today? Um, I don't know about a birthday party, um, but a birthday, yeah. Jack, Jack uh, our youngest, is one today. So one. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so not necessarily a, a party, and I think the twins were more excited to rip his presents open than he was, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, very a very quick year has gone by because feels like I mean, obviously probably not for an A, but it feels like we just had him yesterday. So, um, yeah, exciting day. Oh, cool! Yeah, way to go. So, what are they like? Five and one is that what it is now? Yeah, the twins are five, and and Jake's one. So, bit of a gap. So, if we want our fourth, we'll have to uh, get it out, get it done quickly. Yeah, we'll Renee see was later, looking Joe. at me when I Renee was looking at me when I said that. <laughs> four? Why are you stopping at four, man? You're going like at least six, aren't you? Oh. No. If if we were to have one more, it would be one more. But I uh, leave that, that that decision's up to the the boss. I just partake I in what I need to do. If, I love the way you said if, with emphasis, I know you were looking at her, trying to get back in her good graces at that point. All right, enough comedy. Let me be very clear. So we'll see. It's harder. It's, it's busy enough. Well, more for Renee, obviously, because I'm away for every day of their lives. But um, three is, is a handful anyway, so we'll see. You know, Joe, a long time ago, before you were here, I did jazz pre-half and post-game on TV, and I'd always watched a lot of jazz games, but the fact that I had to be in the arena at a... What? That was when the TVs were black and white? TV's black and white. He's making a joke that you're old. That wasn't in HD, (laughs) I'll give you that. I'm not that old, Joe. It was standard definition, not high definition. uh, But it really drove home just... It's so many games. And people say they watch every game, but they don't. And they drift away if it's a 20- or 30-point game late. And, and just, yeah. the, just the, what a grind it can be. And I'm not running up and down the court. I'm just sitting there. But I did have to be sitting there. And you really yeah. got a sense of the grind of the season. And I see it sometimes in games. I'm, I'm watching the Toronto game, and you got the turnovers in the first half, and you're giving up points on offensive rebounds. And I end up at halftime. It's almost half of Toronto's points. Is, is running off turnovers and, and yeah. getting second-chance points. And clearly at halftime, that was a major point of discussion because both of those things slowed to a trickle, and then you guys just dominate the second half. And, and you, know, you had a couple guys shooting the three real well, obviously. But you win the second half 58-40. So I just wonder how much of it right now is the opponent and how much of it is battling yourself to really stay focused on the details. Because when you do, you're really good. And when you don't, you let teams with 500, even sub-500 records hang around or lead you at halftime. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's, it, it's tough, obviously. And uh, the, the other side of it, which uh, I think people forget about m- more than not, um, is our opponents. Like, obviously, we've got, I wouldn't say we've got a target out there. We're, we're a good team. People know what they're going to get from us um, majority of the nights. But I think a, a lot of regular fans, kind of the, the, the people that don't watch every day or or or, or know enough about the sport, even um, and how good this league is. Like, let's not get it. I mean, obviously, you can look at like the Orlando game. It's a young team developing, 
trying to find themselves a new coach, drafted a couple of new players, but they're, they're like they're still a good team. They're NBA players. They've got NBA coaches. Like they're they're still a, a really they they play hard. They definitely Orlando. Obviously, we haven't played a, a bunch of these teams yet, but but they play the right way. Um, and if you're not on your game, or you, you are having an off night, or, or someone's someone's sick, or someone's injured, or whatever the situation is, like these, these teams are, are really good. And if we're not, sometimes we can be as focused on every detail we want, and we can do everything perfectly. They still might make a shot, or, or we still might have a turnover because we're we're trying to play the right way for our team. Um, so I think a part of it, obviously, is, is on us, and we know that we can dictate a lot of things with the way we want to defend or the way we want to move the ball or whatever the situation is for that game. But let's not get it twisted. Like these, There's 29 other really good teams in this league. Yes, some got, some teams are younger. Some teams are less experienced. Some guys will be... We'll face teams that are resting guys or with COVID situations or whatever's going on. But to to kind of like... I think people discredit these teams a lot quicker than what they should. Um, we know, as does uh, I think every other team. Like every night, you're getting in, you're going into a battle, regardless of who's in or out, or, or resting or not, or whatever, or who we've got resting or, or injured, or whatever the situation is. There's some really, really good teams, and like you were saying in your uh, question, if we if we don't box out or we don't look after like we, we can lose to these teams as can anyone else so um, you do have to be focused and there's obviously like you said with, with this long season there's sometimes that someone might just not have it they they might yeah. I mean obviously there's a million things that could be going on um, but we still obviously turn up and, and you do your best and sometimes our best isn't good enough and, and we go away and watch film and, and, and try and get better but it's a uh, I mean, it's a hell of a league. It's a competitive league. It's a it's a really strong league. Give you a little background in another life. I came up before I was a st- just this stud radio star. I was a newspaper sports writer. Before you were my assistant radio star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before I blossomed, and my first job was in Casa Grande, Arizona, which is halfway between Phoenix and Tucson, and it made eleven thousand five hundred dollars. So wow. the reason why, I, yeah, the reason why I bring that up is that was basically three years of salary for what you had to pay for pushing a referee. How in the world could you possibly write a check for thirty thousand dollars? There's no way I could do that. So I actually got you. You, you guys are like this. I got an email the other day from them. Um, so obviously you can appeal it, which everybody does because why wouldn't you appeal it? Um, just obviously not me getting the fine but the number of the fine or, or if you can get some of the money back and I think it's it's just obviously a rule they've always had um, like technical fouls you can appeal technical fouls and, and all that so I get an email the other day from the NBA and whatever million people were on the chain my agent's on it the Jazz are on it obviously um, and it says like it's a little statement from the NBA like hey you've been fined this much money and you need to pay the money by whatever whatever the date was. Um, and I, <laughs> feeling a bit uh, mischievous, I clicked reply all. And I, I actually should look who's on there. I hope like Adam Silver's not on there or anything, but I wrote back and said, <laughs> um, 
could you guys just send me your Venmo account and I'll get right to it? And <laughs> no, not one, not one person replied. So I don't know if they're going to find me again or not. But um, yeah, obviously, a bit of a S H I T T Y situation. Um, yeah, obviously, and I think obviously why. Like, the, all the reports I got back was like, you're going to get suspended, obviously, because it's a referee and kind of zero tolerance of touching a referee um, in that way, obviously. Um, so I was, like, adamant and sure I was going to get at least a game or two. Um, but obviously having a very good reputation with the referees and they, I think, majority of them like me reasonably and... Um, it's funny, so people that kind of don't know, you, you actually get a call from the NBA and you have to give an interview of like what happened, what you saw. Um, so obviously I gave my piece and they interview Ed Malloy, who was the referee in the, in the, um, in the whatever you call it, situation. Um, so between all the interviews, they come up with a, a fine or a suspension and obviously from what I said and, and I'm assuming from what Ed said, he must have had my back a little bit. Um, I didn't get suspended, which I I think a lot of people were very surprised at. And I, I was too. I thought, I, and I told him and I told the NBA, I actually saw the referee as I was leaving um, the stadium and apologized. And I actually didn't know I'd pushed him until I got back to the locker room and saw it on TV. And I was like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I apologized to him and, and he was really good at after the game. And then obviously explains that you, you explain it to the NBA and they come up with their kind of verdict of, of what the, the punishment is. So I'll, uh, I don't know, don't know if I'm allowed to buy it a beer, but one day when we're both retired, <laughs> I'll buy him a beer. <laughs> So on the video, that moment, there's a moment where, like you you run seventy feet. Which, by the way, forget the slow mo Joe thing. I thought you covered pretty quick. I right? thought you covered that seventy oh, feet yeah, pretty quick. Forget the boomers. He's going to be in the hundred meter dash <laughs> oh, in the Olympics. You say Bolt move <laughs> over, man. Joe is flying. And then there's a moment you kind of rock. So I thought maybe look at that look on your face. You realized, oh boy, I just crossed the line there. But you you didn't realize on the court because when when right. you spun away, I thought right now he's considering what he has to. Uh, explain to his wife about paying that massive fine no i i like i yeah i promise you i i had literally not all i obviously from my point of view of it was saw the altercation or whatever happened and was like in my mind i need to get down there to obviously get rudy away or get um i can't remember who it was now miles turner get miles like just get in between like just get away from it all get them away from it all and um, if I end up getting a technical or whatever, kind of like whatever, um, we need Rudy to play and we need Rudy in the game and we don't need him suspended. And, and that was my my only kind of thought process. So I just try to get down there to, to kind of break it up. And obviously once I went back to the locker room, it was re- replaying on every channel you could think of. Um, and I saw it obviously what happened and I was like yeah I was like I'm screwed <laughs> um, so the 30,000 fine is a lot less than what one game or two game suspension would have been so um, obviously very understanding of why the NBA fined me I love the NBA thank you <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm actually surprised, though, that that type of thing doesn't happen more because you guys are competitive. It's a close environment. You're rubbing up, smacking each other, bumping, boxing yeah. out, all that type of stuff. It's, to me, I thought that, you know, the technicals, the ejection's fine, and then give you some fine. I didn't think it was worthy of a suspension myself because I'm surprised that that stuff doesn't happen more often than it does. Yeah, um, I think I said a bit of that in my interview, too. I was just like, it's a... It's obviously a physical game, um, regardless of being a kind of non-contact or, or whatever um, sport. It's physical. Guys get into it. We're competitive, like you said. It's like the adrenaline of 20,000 people in there. Depending on like who it is or what the matchup is, like you get into it with guys. Um, I don't think anyone in the NBA is ever going to like, I mean, not ever, because it's obviously happened before, but very rarely guys are like throwing punches and actually like really fighting, fighting. That's just, like, no one wants to get suspended. No one really wants to get fined. Um, as much as we all get, as much as we all get paid, we still want to keep our money. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, the little altercations of technicals and, and all that I get for sure. Um, I said to Ed Malloy, actually, I was like, why did you get in the middle of it? Like, you guys, like, <laughs> if there's a fight breaking out, you guys have no chance of stopping it. At least we can, like, pull Rudy back or talk to him while we're doing it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's competitive. Like, I was kind of saying with the, the first question, it's like, oh, there's a lot of good teams and players, and you, you're battling with these guys, and some guys have more history, whether it be playing each other when they were younger or, or altercations or things that have happened in the past and, and whatever it is. So it's, it's always competitive. And I mean, sometimes the best kind of way to, to, to keep it competitive, but obviously not let it escalate is to like, just kind of give a couple of technicals early or at some point in the game. And I think guys would take a step back because no one obviously wants to get thrown out. So um, it's a, it's a tough job for, for the refs. It's tough for us to, to kind of keep your head at times because it is competitive. We're all trying to win and um, there's obviously never any kind of like um, moments where you're trying to hurt somebody or, or, or trying to do anything like that. But it, it gets competitive and um, that's obviously another, obviously why this league is good because there is so many good players and, and teams. So Rudy Gay, we've all been wondering, he hasn't been available to interview, and he pulled the curtain back a little bit as far as uh, the surgery, the length of duration. He said yeah. that he had to learn to walk again. Um, how much of that were you aware of over the summer and into the fall as you started working out? And, and what kind of has been his, uh, you've kind of had to graph his trend as he's gotten better, when could you really say, see? Because obviously you played against him for years, so you know, hey, Rudy Gay's getting back to being Rudy Gay again. Yeah, um, obviously once we signed him and I got back from the Olympics and um, kind of spoken to him a couple of times, like you obviously know what's going on in majority of things of what's going on in people's lives or, or obviously kind of injury-wise and all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, he might be overplaying having to learn to walk again. I'm sure he still knew how to walk. Um, figuring, <laughs> figuring it out post-surgery is obviously getting his foot back to... Oh, like whatever the actual surgery, I don't know what the, the official name of the surgery was, but making sure obviously everything's moving and working and, and obviously your your feet, ankles are a pretty, pretty big part of, of what we do. Um, but he's worked, I mean, he's worked really hard to get to this point, like to, to see 
knock on wood, but I've I've never really had had any of these major injuries these guys have had, and and the dedication to like the the rehab program and getting in there every day and not getting out of play, not getting out of practice, starting with like spot shooting, starting with like sometimes almost not on court until you to obviously until you reach a certain level. So. Um, he's been committed to it. He's obviously had a bit of a, a plan in place, and he's followed that plan. And um, it was it was fun to have him out there last night. I think. Um, I mean, I said it last night too, but to to not forget or discredit what Eric did, Eric Pascal did either. He, he was great for those, um, however many games we we started off the year. He was. For, for him and Hassan, new guys coming in to to fit in so seemingly seamless and. And, and help us win games. Um, it's a tough situation. And then, obviously, for Eric to kind of just be almost out of the rotation right away. Obviously, with Rudy coming back, he he probably figured he, he, his role would be less. But um, he's the same. He's professional. He'll, he'll be ready if we need him and um, or when we need him because there, there will obviously definitely be times. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough job. Man. It's 17 of us battling for eight, nine guys minutes. Um, everyone wants to be out there as much as possible, but it was yeah, it was fun to have Rudy out there and I think it obviously showed a, a very good uh, first game at home and, and what he can do for our team and what he can bring um, on both ends of the floor. He blocked a couple of shots. He obviously made a couple of plays on the rim. He, he shot the ball well. Um, his, his ball movement is something that has always been... Um, in his his game, obviously recently with the Spurs too, it makes it an easy transition. So, um, yeah, good to have him back. He's got a terrible oh. nickname though. What is it? Ocho, or whatever they're calling him. Oh, oh, oh the number, the number, the number, the number. Gotcha, terrible. gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know a guy named Michael Cezpil? C Z E P I L. Um, not when you say it like that, but maybe if I saw a picture or <laughs> or the name. Is it he should, coaches it I know? Well he coaches at UC Riverside and down there in California and he was from Melbourne and half their team is from Australia, so I wondered if you had a connection to those guys. Um I do know so the old head coach of UC Riverside was our or is still our boomers assistant coach who's now He's moved. He's the associate, associate head coach at Oklahoma. Um, but he was at Riverside for a couple of years, so he was probably the influence of bringing all those people over. Um, okay. Unless there was someone there before that, but I I, I would doubt it. Um, so, his name, yeah, it's, his name's David Patrick. He's the associate head coach of Oklahoma now and, and one of our boomers' assistants who <laughs> actually... We were in camp in LA and we were doing walkthrough, and he, the coaches were walking through on offense, and the players were on defense. And he, when I say walkthrough, like your walking pace, like when you get out of bed, that to take your first wee in the morning, that walking pace. <laughs> um, and he did his Achilles; he ruptured his Achilles oh, doing that. So you're kidding? Yeah, yeah. He, he, <laughs> it was. I, I can laugh about it now because it's been a long time, and he's back walking and he's he's healthy again. But he. He was literally walking, and he was he was doing it in Air Maxes, and or like some shoe that had that like bubble kind of like bubble clear, yeah, um, bubble thing on the heel of it. And right. we all thought 
when he started limping that he'd like busted the the little bubble on his shoe because he kept looking at his shoe and then they we went to the next drill when he kind of walked off and as soon as we saw the physios looking at him he was like yeah he'd done his <laughs> he'd done his wow. so, on a yeah, so he didn't get to come away with us um because of that so i'm gonna we actually go to oklahoma next week um so i'm gonna take my medal with me and and have dinner with him and and obviously oh, cool he was a he, he is a part of our team and, and obviously missed a, uh, a a good experience. So I'll um, I'll take mine and we'll have dinner and have a chat about it and I'll make sure his his, his Achilles is okay. Yeah. I shouldn't laugh, but it was <laughs> he, he would laugh about it now how it happened because it was literally like the slowest walk of like just really like basic going through some offense and defensive stuff and he and he busted his Achilles. Wow. Must have been hanging by a thread, Joe. Yeah. That's what that's what we were saying. It was like if you'd done anything like actually powerful, like jumped or whatever he'd done, he would have obviously done it as well. So, um, and he's old, so that doesn't help. Yeah, it's probably in his forties, huh? Yeah, he's really old, like forty-one <laughs> or two or something. <laughs> well, you can ask him about black and white TVs. No, he's he's not in your age bracket yet. You guys are in another life. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, thanks for coming on and making fun of us. We we would miss it if you didn't do it. Of course. I mean, that's what my weekly entertainment is. <laughs> All right. Well, you got a birthday party later today, too. So, uh, yeah, cupcakes for everybody. So, I'll, uh, he's just down for his morning nap. Once he gets up, I'll hang out and then for a bit and then head to the airport. There you go. Sacramento. Got a, got a flight to catch. Thanks, Joe. No. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Joe Ingles joined us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. As always, basketball takes, random hilarious stories. <laughs> Venmo. You got a Venmo. I can send that to you. Can you imagine someone Venmoed you 30 grand? No. I would, <laughs> you would like to. Yeah, but you'd immediately think, okay, wait a minute. If I click on this, <laughs> my computer's going to shut down. <laughs> yeah, some, some <laughs> something's up. Overseas. This, this can't be true, right? <laughs> something that's all going to mess it all up. Yeah, I know, yeah. for sure. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are broadcasting live this morning. We're at the Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. And, uh, hey, it's, it's an early Christmas for all you jazz fans who are nearby and stop by. You want to do a little Christmas shopping, pick up a jazz T-shirt shirt or a jazz cap for uh, someone in your family who'd like maybe for yourself who are we kidding but you know maybe for a Christmas gift for somebody else or a birthday gift we've also got an enter to win contest going in a little more than an hour well about an hour we're going to give away tickets to the Utah Oregon football game so stop by and enter we are at the Woods Cross uh, Murdoch Chevy dealer right off the freeway you can't miss it off the 2600 south exit we're just a uh, about 30 seconds north of that exit DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This week's Raider game against the Bengals is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at americafirst.com slash Raiders. Question of the day, PK. Is Utah bringing home the South Division Championship on Saturday? I think they are. And the most common answer we have is BYU has that wrapped up. You know, I love humor. Unfortunately, that's not it. (laughs) I don't think Cougar fans are trying to be funny. I think they're just trying to annoy their Ute fan brethren. 
If they get a laugh you along know, the way, I guess they take it. But know, I think I, they're trying to make a point. I, I just can't appreciate in the Thanksgiving season. I, too much acrimony. And if there's one thing I hate, it's acrimony. <laughs> Since when? <clears throat> I like macaroni, but I hate acrimony. Ooh, macaroni. Neil says, doesn't matter. BYU owns the Pac-12 this year. <coughs> well, sell high, buy low, I guess, huh? All the more reason for BYU to root for Utah and Utah State. Why don't you guys win your leagues? We beat you both. We will claim the championship of the western half of the United States and then move on to conquer the Big 12. Wow. Well, you, you, playing half a season does not dictate a title. We do have people tweeting that back that you've got to, uh, you got to play eight games to be eligible for the Pac-12 title. Right. So you can't do it at 4-0, assuming 5-0 and coming up, but we'll see how the game goes. But I think the Utes get it done. Even if they lose, I think Oregon State beats the Devils. That is the point right there. There's two chances to claim it Saturday. You got the chance to claim it early Saturday evening if you went and take care of business. But for the team that doesn't, there's still the chance that they'll win their division late at night. The Utah-Oregon thing, I think, could be, could be the, the rematch could be wrapped up at the end of the night based on the outcome of these two games, this one and the ASU-Oregon State game. Right. Because Oregon's, or, uh, Oregon's got a lot of tiebreakers there in the north, and Oregon State's the only one who's going to get them. Although for the Devils, they should have incentive, irregardless of what Utah does. Because then if they win, they still have hope that Colorado would get them the next week. So it shouldn't really matter from the Devil perspective what happens. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're broadcasting live. Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. Stop on by the 2022 Silverado is up to $1,500 off. And it's the season of giving Murdoch Auto Team and customers, giving back to the communities we all live and serve in. Murdoch partnering with Al Sporting Goods and the Utah Foster Care System. Every new car sold in the month of November, the customer gets a $100 Al Sporting Gives Sporting Goods gift card with a Murdoch VIP discount code, which gives the customer up to 30 to 50% off. A portion of every new car sale will be donated to the Utah Foster Care System. Over the past two years, more than 400 pairs of new snow boots have been donated to the children in Utah's foster care system. Dealerships from Logan to Linden with over 1,000 quality used vehicles. Stop by the Murdoch dealership near you. We're in Woods Cross. Murdoch Chevrolet. Stop by. You can pick up free jazz t-shirts, free jazz caps, do a little birthday or Christmas shopping for yourself or uh, somebody else, and enter to win Utah, Oregon tickets. We will uh, give those tickets away at the end of the show. Drop your name in the box. It's free. You might get tickets to the big game tomorrow night. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We've got the question of the day up. Are the Utes going to clinch the Pac-12 South tomorrow? they got two chances. One, beat Oregon. Two, have Oregon State beat ASU later that night. Oregon's got the same two chances to clinch the North. If they win their game over the Utes, they win the North. If they lose and Oregon State loses later to ASU, they win the North anyway. Utah and Oregon, both very close to sealing the deal and wrapping it up. Sealing. It's a big word in our community. Good work by you. <laughs> we might see Zion soon. I see Zion every day. That was eight, that was 8 o'clock hour, PK. Poster of him on my wall. <laughs> 9 o'clock hour, PK. Sealing. Big word in our community. Nice. <laughs> Keep them coming, PK. 
Hey, look who's back. And I'm sure he's really eager to talk about the Utes and the Pac-12 South. Papa P is on the phone. Papa P, good morning. Good morning. I'm trying to catch my breath now to stop to that comment about ceiling being big here in Utah. So I'm sorry. <laughs> PK, I love you, brother, but you're killing me. You're absolutely killing me. All right. So let's see if I can regain my composure for a moment. Uh, let's see. Do we know the phrase extenuating circumstances or special circumstances? I think the answer is your listeners are smart enough to understand those phrases, those ideas. Gee, yeah. last year, there was not a single team in the Pac-12 that had eight wins. Huh? So to say you have to have eight wins to, quote, win the Pac-12, eh, not so fast. I think it's I eight games, not eight wins. Yeah, yeah, okay, games. Fine, <laughs> but there wasn't any Pac-12 team that had eight games last year either. Because of Numb Nuts, who's no longer the commissioner, but that's a whole other thing. True. So, anyway, anyway, there is only one team on planet Earth in God's given galaxy and universe that is undefeated this year in the Pac-12. I think that team resides down south, as our friends up north would say. So, from that standpoint, let's see. Let's see, but let's also be clear. As big as a BYU fan as I am, and I am, I am rooting big time for Utah to win tomorrow and for the Aggies to win tomorrow. Because the better they do, the better the resume looks for a certain team in Provo where their mascot is the Cougars. So let's be clear about this. Oh, and by the way, uh, if BYU is not ranked, 15 or higher in basketball this coming week, something is absolutely wrong in the universe because they looked incredible when they destroyed, destroyed the Ducks this week. And for good measure, the women's soccer team is on to the Sweet 16. It never ends. This is like Malachi with the window opening and a bunch of blessings coming in because you're paying your tithing. It's just a never-ending flow here. It's not, Papa P. It is. For those of us who pay tithing, and I know that you and your colleague there both tithe in your own way, so that's fine. But, but, you know, the windows of heaven are open. That's right. I give 10% of my goats every year. (laughs) (laughs) You are the goat. You know that, right? You are the goat. You may give 10% of other things as well every year. So... No, well, I, I have percentages to spare. <laughs> well, well, and so does, so does uh, your your colleague on air, as well as your departed colleague who drives his Porsche and everything else in his houses all over the world. Oh That's yeah, he gives thing. cars. He gives cars. So he the ten percent yeah. of his imports. Church 10%. leaders all drive around fancy cars. They're donated by Gordon. <laughs> Ten percent of my automobiles every year yeah. to the church. Yeah, it doesn't sure. have to be cash, right? I mean, isn't they could just no. whatever your hence your, the goats. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, uh, they. I don't know that they accept goats. They do accept stock. <laughs> I do know that. And they accept stock. Doing that as well. Absolutely, you can make an in-kind donation. Yes. Really? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Can you Venmo it? Um, Thank you, Joe. You know, last I checked, 
Venmo is not an option on the donation, the digital donation slip. But maybe I can put in a good word, okay? Yeah, so. get in, get with the times, man. A little Venmo here and there. Never hurt anybody. Yeah, come on. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm coming up a little short this week. Uh, can I get some help on tithing? Can you Venmo me? I'd like to see how well that did. Anyway. <laughs> I'm excited. All right, is there any more sports in this, or is this just nonsense <laughs> the rest of the way? What's the word? Hey, I've been indoctrinated by Mr. PK. What can I say? Yes, Cougars are going to win tomorrow in South Georgia. And the question is going to be how many points. I think it'll be tougher than the oddsmakers are making it, but they should win by three or four touchdowns. And I think they will, yeah. You know what? Don't be getting all up in arms and getting your panties all twisted up because the Jazz are only 10-5. and five. Let's be serious. They're going to finish 70% of their games will end up in victories for the team in Salt Lake. I don't know if they're going to have the best record in the NBA this year. It doesn't matter. You just need to make the playoffs. There you go. And they're going to be in, and they look really good. So, thank you, gentlemen. Always great to talk with you and with your fans. Go, Utah. Go, Aggies. Go, Coop. And go, Lady Coop, in the Sweet 16. Very, very cool. Yeah. Keep the faith, brother. All right, you guys do well. (laughs) And uh, I'll look for you at Tidings Settlement. That's uh, coming up. Okay? Just to be clear. Already signed up. Like to get it done early. There you go. There you go. Good for you. Talk to you guys later. Okay. Bye. You're the guy who gets his taxes done in January, so he gets his return in March when everyone else is waiting for April 15th. Always be ahead of the game, man. That's it. Always at the front of the line. I have one step ahead of the posse. I've man, man managed to maintain, be employed all this time. Uh, yeah, I don't know that uh, how many BYU fans can root for Utah, though. I mean, it sounds good. And, and theoretically, it could mean uh, potential something as far as uh, some influence in the New Year's Six Bowl, I guess, uh, by having these other teams do so well. <clears throat> I mean, really, you could have uh, three nine-win teams that you beat, you know, with the Devils, the Utes, mm-hmm. and the Aggies. What's the best Virginia can do now? Oh, they quarterback got, injury. It seems yeah, like I that's going to tail off, right? Yeah, so they, it's not going to. They're six and four, right? So and probably in trouble, yeah. going forward. Yeah, even eight and four. No, they're five and five. Oh, five excuse and me. Five. No, you're right. They're six and four. They're yeah. playing Virginia Tech, who's five yeah, and five I they in were another six week because they were six and two game. when they came in. And yeah, they've lost they've twice. Lost twice now. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think most people look on 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 this side of the country to see as far as the competition goes. Uh, yeah, so. That that says something. I mean, I would, if I were a BYU fan rooting specifically for the Utes and the Devils to go uh, both nine and three, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. I mean, that's, that, th- those are good records, nine and three. I think I, I've always been thought a nine and three record. Uh, was, well, they definitely they definitely like to look at how many ranked yeah. teams have you beaten and how many teams you've beaten with winning records. Yeah. So well, and if, plus since both of them had losses in the preseason or in the non-conference, mm-hmm. that means you're going seven and two, eight and one in league. Yeah. Yeah, they're nine and three with losses to you. They're nine and two against everybody else. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And at nine and three, I think they'll both be ranked. 
know, Utah already is, so they would only move up. But right. I think a nine and three ASU will have moved in too. We're going to see potentially. We're going to see more more of these one and two loss teams taking L's. So, but but I don't think at its core the Cougar fan can do that. They'd rather have Utah lose. There's too much animus. Yeah, because if then, they win, then they'll they take it. They'll take what they have. And, oh, we beat the conference champs, but given a Who choice. Who wants, like, for me, I take tremendous glee over the fact that Arizona's never played in the Rose Bowl. Never. Right. Ever. But you haven't been rooting for a team that's an independent and needed something to burnish its reputation. Rooting for ASU, it's kind of like, well, go in the conference yourself. Yeah, I got yeah. it. I got it. It's different. But still... The animus there is so strong. Oh, it's strong. Yeah. That I don't think that a Papa P is a logical fan, and I've had conversations with him yep. in person. and, and so But he's he, not wired like most people. He can look at the situation yeah. and see what's there. I don't know that most folks can do that. Uh, so with that in mind, it, it's hard for me to imagine that many Cougars would be pulling, pulling for the Utes tomorrow. And if they do, then certainly they wouldn't be pulling for them on, uh, no, uh, what is it, December 3rd? You win that ball game and you're going to the Rose Bowl. There's just You don't need any committee. You don't need anything to do anything for you. you Punch your own ticket and go. Yeah, yeah, that's the sweet thing about it. In, in a sport that relies on judges, you don't need a judge to get to the Rose Bowl. So uh, that's, that's important. And that, and that says something there, uh, particularly for Utah in, in what I viewed as a reloading season. And to be able to do that, then they go into next year as heavy, heavy, heavy favorites in the South for sure. So they may do it again. Uh, who knows? But hard for me to imagine there'd be many, many allegiances towards uh, Utah this, year, this week for the Cougars. Because then this time here... You could argue they've had a lot of great wins in the conference, but I could argue this would be the best one they've ever had. Beating third-ranked Oregon. Yeah. Because you kind of snuck up on Stanford when you beat them when they were top five. Right. And the stakes this, weren't this nearly as high. It was earlier in the season. Yeah. The stakes weren't as high. The Utes are more established. I mean, they've already won the division mm-hmm. twice, so yeah, they're on everybody's sure. radar in a yeah, way yeah. they weren't back then. And this is a game that's going to be seen countrywide, and it's no 2 o'clock in the morning back in the <laughs> spiel. It's out no. the window. No, no, it's, it's prime time in the East. This game kicks right. off 7.30 yeah. in the Eastern time zone. So this in, is In the East, you don't go to uh, dinner until 10 o'clock on Saturdays. <laughs> uh, so uh, anybody who wants to watch that game is available right there, right in your window to watch it. Yeah. There's nothing... Uh, that's going to keep you. So this is this might be. Now that I think about it, I think it would be the best win, a conference win that the program would have had under the circumstances. You, and you're beating a team that, you know, we've already had uh, been established. There was no uh, playoff poll at that time when uh, Utah beat Stanford. Here we've got what two weeks of it, and they're firmly entrenched. In the middle. I mean, they are solid right there. The same thing with Oregon. I mean, it's a beauty contest to an extent, but yet they've been judged pretty enough to this point to where as long as they win, they don't have to worry about anything else because I cannot believe if they win out that anybody is going to overtake them. And there's really no difference between one and four, two and three, whatever, in is in, and that's all that matters. And so if they win their next three ball games, they are in. They're not dropping. They may drop to fourth, 
but you know who cares? Yeah, but they got teams behind them playing each other, so the losers yeah. of those games have to drop. I mean, Oklahoma, I, mean, I can argue they move up instead of dropping. Oh, they could. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Georgia beats Alabama. Alabama won't stay at two. Right. Depending on what else happens, I couldn't completely rule out Alabama being the first two-loss team ever to make a playoff because we could have a lot of teams with two losses here pretty quickly. A couple of upsets. Not from some... the Pac-12. <laughs> right. I know, and that's I know where two-loss Alabama yeah. is going to be. Yeah, I got you. Beat out two-loss Oregon if you take them down. Right. I got you. I know where you're going. Right. So, yeah. So, this is the stakes on this puppy are just huge when you think about They're it. They're enormous. I mean, Oregon is thinking we are three games away from the playoff. And we got to beat these guys probably twice. Yeah, and if we hammer them today, you know, probably hammer them, beat them in two weeks. If Tavion Thomas doesn't go, and Kyle referred to him on a radio interview in Oregon as questionable. I don't think that's that big of a deal. Really? Yeah. He's got the big play breakaway stuff that the other guys don't uh, have. I disagree. Really? Somebody else will break a 70-yarder? Pl- didn't Pledger do it? Well, he did have the 96-yarder against Stanford, but had they quit. You can only come at me with so many ifs. If a guy runs for 96 yards and that's not good enough. Well, then I got nothing for you. Yeah. I mean, big deal. Oregon is without Verdell. So we're going to make an excuse for Utah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's so hard to beat a team twice in the span of 87 years. I mean, mean, come on. This is a town full of excuses. Yes. Cushion the blow. You've said it many times. You know what's happening. I don't have any blow here because I'm not that invested. I take it as it comes, so I don't buy it. So Verdell is an NFL back. Maybe Thomas is too, but Verdell has been an NFL back for years going back to his high school days in San Diego. So uh, he's gone. Uh, with a knee injury, I believe, if I remember but correctly. But they got two more good backs. Turns at, out Oregon's got least. depth. At least. Right, that we know of. Right. And so does Utah. He played at Oklahoma. (laughs) He did play at Oklahoma. Come on. Pledger's been good for him. Uh, Bernard has been good for them. Bernard's plenty good enough. Yeah. He's been really good as a receiver out of the backfield. Beat a blitz with that guy, and you will get get a first down on a big play. So if that kid doesn't play, if I hear one person use that as an excuse— I'm going to be Even if you don't hear it used as an excuse, and you know if it's a three-score game, then it's not an excuse. I don't think it's going to be a three-score game. I think it's going to be close, but who the heck knows. Uh, But I still wonder if that could be one of the things that's used in two weeks. Oh, this will be a different game because he's back. Or anybody who gets knocked out early in the game who's back, you could probably say the same thing about. Whatever. Man, all I care about is the final score. Get the win, baby. Yeah, if you don't have player X, Y, Z, it's not like they're 100% healthy either. It's the same thing we go with the Jazz. Oh, our guy's out. Well, whoop-de-doo, their guy's out too. So, I mean, I heard it all last year. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had one. He played on one toe. He was missing nine toes. Yep. And Would have been totally different if he'd had a second or third toe. (laughs) Meanwhile, Kawhi Leonard, he was so hurt, he couldn't even sit on the bench. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're broadcasting live this morning. We are at Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. Stop by. we got a couple of fans who've just come in now to enter win for those Utah-Oregon tickets. Thumbs up. Could be your lucky day. It could be. Today's the day. you got half an hour to get down here. Sign up. Drop your name in the box there, and we will draw a winner coming up in half an hour and see uh, who gets the tickets to see Utah and Oregon. Also, the hats look like they're gone, but we've got some T-shirts left. You want to do a little Christmas shopping? 
If you don't want the Jazz T-shirt, you probably got somebody in your immediate or extended family who does, somebody in the neighborhood, somebody you want to hook up. And we got a few more T-shirts left, so stop by and grab those. Murdoch Chevrolet, they have the 2022 Silverado and up to $1,500 off. 0% financing for 72 months on the Equinox Blazer or Traverse, all 2022 editions of those. And the season of giving is here. It's a time when the Murdoch Auto Team and the Murdoch customers are giving back to the communities we all live and serve in. Murdoch partnering with Al Sporting Goods and the Utah Foster Care System. For every new car sold the month of November, customers will receive a $100 Al Sporting Goods gift card with a Murdoch VIP discount code, which will give the customer up to 30 to 50% off. A portion of every new car sale will be donated to the Utah Foster Care System. Over the past two years, the Murdoch Auto Team has been able to put over 400 pairs of new snow boots on Utah Foster Care children. Murdoch, with dealerships from Logan to Linden covering the Wasatch Front and over 1,000 quality used vehicles. Everyone comes with a complimentary Carfax report, complimentary car washes for life, three-month or 3,000-mile powertrain warranty, five-day exchange policy, and a full-point multi-inspection. Murdoch. Murdoch Chevrolet in Woods Cross. Stop by in about half an hour. We will drop those Utah-Oregon tickets. So stop by and enter to win right now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get you caught up on everything we've been talking about in this show. A few classic moments this morning. So goats work or no? (laughs) That was not one of the classic moments. Oh, okay, okay, my bad. (laughs) It was one of the rim shot moments. (laughs) I think Joe saying that he emailed uh, several people back and realized later he hoped Adam Silver wasn't on the email chain because lots of people were, uh, that uh, they want him to pay his $30,000 fine for shoving the referee, Ed Malloy, and he said, yeah, let me know your Venmo account. I'll get that right over to you. Is there a maximum you can Venmo? I don't have Venmo. I... I do have Venmo. I don't know. I use it for like $20 stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't have a lot of $30,000 transactions to worry about. But Johnny Lightfoot, who's a high roller. High roller. High roller says there's no limit on Venmo. That's what he just really? shook his head. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Johnny, you know, what are you, what are you hitting casinos, Johnny? Buying expensive cars? Land. I can't talk Land. 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 You can't <laughs> Johnny just put down thirty grand on a few acres in the West Desert. <laughs> a lot of land. I always wanted to be well. next to a bombing range. You get uh, <laughs> a lot of big money deals up there past Park City. The Rockets red glare. Yeah. My wife handles all our money, and she refuses to do Venmo. She's not doing it. No. I just put 500000 So. It'll go. Yeah. Venmo. That's Johnny says he just did five hundred grand, and it'll go. That's great. Okay. Well, do you need my account? <laughs> we'll take it. All right. Let me, let me give you my account, man. Joe also shared a, uh, a now hilarious but then tragic story 
of uh, you. You asked about the UC Riverside coach because there's a assistant strong, coach, yeah. assistant coach, strong there's Australian like connection. Six, seven Australians on that team, mm-hmm. and I thought and they were in the spotlight because they threw in that seventy footer to. To That's where I saw it. I looked it up. Right, yeah. Right. And he said, well, there is a UC Riverside tie. The guy's now moved on to Oklahoma, but they're assistant coach on the, uh, on the Australian national team, the Boomers. And he said they were in a walkthrough, and they were literally walking. And he tore his Achilles. Yeah, I can't imagine that, man. That would be brutal. That would be brutal. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Joe, wherever you get your uh, podcasts, Spotify, Apple, whatever it is, uh, you can listen to Joe this morning. He talked a little bit about the team. Yes, the Toronto game, um, you know, get more focused on the details, block out, handle the ball a little better. And instead of being down two in the first half when they gifted Toronto a lot of fast breaks and second chance points, you tighten up the act and you win the second half 58-40. to 40. And Joe's point was even when you're better by record by a long way, there's still a lot of talent, and four or five possessions decide a 10-point game. So you got to tighten up the act because everybody's capable of beating everybody. You do, but I'm but not the, as concerned the Jazz, about the act being so tight now. But the Jazz won comfortably, despite the fact they only played 24 good minutes. Oh, the story was Rudy, uh, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. <clears throat> Ocho uh, to come out there. And sure, the shots went in. Five of six from three. That, that's great. I mean, you're hardly ever going to do better than that. I get that. But I just like the veteran dude, first game, look like been with the team for months. He's a veteran guy, 15, 16 years in the league. That's a long, long time, man. That's incredible. And to talk about it afterward, he's a poised veteran. And as Locke was saying, as we know, youth does not win in this league unless you're, you know, Magic or Bird or somebody outrageous. But the rest of them you need to go through and be basically mature. You need to have a mature team uh, in that way. I mean, youth, youth can win to an extent because it's not like Antetokounmpo is all that old. But youth today is not the youth of yesteryear, you know, when those guys were playing four years of college and coming in at 21, 22. And so at 23, 24, they were still considered young. That's not the same anymore. And Mitchell, you know, is he 25 years old? Well, he's young, but he's not a youth. He doesn't have youthful inexperience. He's still there's, very young. But he, he, is, have youthful he is young, but there's miles and miles of difference between yeah. Donovan Mitchell today and Donovan Mitchell at uh, 21. Right. And, and their guys obviously come into the league at 19 and 20. Yeah, yeah, and so, and then depending on who you are. Donovan was a two-year guy. I don't know what his birthday is. 20. Yeah, He's getting significant playing experience right off the bat. So by the time he's 25, he's still young chronologically, but not in terms of his game. And then you got Gay is on the other end of it. And I just love the way he fit in. It it, it seemed like he'd been on the team for two, three years. Well, he's a veteran. He's on a fourth team in his 16th year. He's had to do this before, and... Because he's played against the team, he probably knew a lot about what they did. I'm sure there's all kinds of details and well, nuances that's why he, he signed. didn't know, but he does. He knows a lot. Yeah, and I think, the, he, and he's been with the team now yeah. for two months. Well, right, so he's been sitting in film sessions. Yeah. yeah. Getting the mental reps, as Riley Jensen would tell us. Yeah, and so I'm excited to see what he can do. I don't expect him to have this type of impact uh, a lot. If he does, wow, look out. Yeah, but I think that's the thing is you look at the guys who can have that impact on any given night. Now, he and Royce O'Neal shot the three really well. They were a combined 9 of 12. 
but Donovan didn't go off. Joe didn't go off. Mike Conley didn't go off. So it's a little bit of ham and egg in it. I think Joe did what he can do, though. He was right. like 10, 8, and 7. That, those are very good numbers uh-huh. for a bench dude. Sure. But on any given night, one of those guys might go 4 of 6 or 5 of 6 from 3. and crush it. As a team, they shot 41%, which is a good number, but I don't think that's going to be that far off their season average when it's shouldn't, all said and done. Be. Right. I meant to bring this up with Joe, but I forgot, and plus we were talking about other stuff. With a gay being another three-point shooter and another scorer, I think Joe has his opportunity to get his fantasy. I think his fantasy would be a double-double while scoring zero points. <laughs> <laughs> well, the emphasis is on rebounding, so he's got to go get him. Nobody's going to get mad at him for that. And obviously the assists. I mean, when he first joined the team, that's the first thing you pointed out. That guy knows where he's going to pass the ball before it hits his hands. It's hot potato. It's in his hands. It's out. He knows. He's thinking ahead, and he knows where yeah. he knows where the open guy's going to be and who it's going to be. That's been the strength of his game, I imagine, since he first took up ball. He's developed more as a shooter since <laughs> he's been in the league, but I think so, he's always been able to be a playmaker. So, so Joe's sitting on ten rebounds and uh, nine assists, and he runs a pick and roll with Gobert late in the game. He gives it up, and yeah. he, but the, but the defenders dropping back, Doesn't and he's matter. got the layup. He's like. I'm slowing down. I'm giving you a chance to come over here and guard me so I can make the pass. I really think, knowing of what we know of Joe, he would get a kick out of having a double-double while scoring zero, zero points. points. Yeah. Taking zero shots. Yeah. Yeah. He probably not even taking a shot. He probably wouldn't j- not he'd take be, a shot. He'd be so disappointed if he got fouled and had to go to the free throw line and screw that lineup. Uh, because I... I also think he's not a stat guy. He's just... Uh, especially now, is. 34 years old. He just got his Olympic medal, which yeah. is a thrill. He told us he's going to take it to Oklahoma to meet with that coach. Uh, he'd love an NBA title to go with an Olympic medal. Yeah, so he's, that would make him. He's beyond stats. That would make him the Australian hoop star of Australian hoop stars. An Olympic medal and an NBA title? Yeah. Uh, but Gay has the possibility of. Joe adding a whole bunch I, more assists. And I do think that. Uh, Rudy Gay is going to give him another option. On the night that three isn't falling, when you're begging them to go to the hoop, I do think there'll be a chance for him to find some guys that uh, he's taller than or he's stronger than and, uh, and get in there. And, and, and really, Bogey's the only kind of guy who can kind of bully someone down low and score over them from the three-point line. And I think Rudy's going to be able to do that. One more guy, when the three isn't falling, it's another way to get a hoop. I have to see what his ability is at this point in his sta- stage of his career. To put the ball on the floor, to go all the way. Now, I'm not sure on that. See where he's See, I don't, see, I don't see view it as at. him blowing by some guy. Although, when uh, you get the blender going, well, I don't, I don't know but power by. But bully. I mean, the way... Yeah, but, so I'm not sure on yeah. that yet, is what I'm saying. I, I, I would have to watch more of him the opportunity he didn't need to he was as hot as right. could be uh from the very first shot he took in front of the jazz bench and then he had that one uh looked like a little steph curry over there in front mm-hmm. of uh yeah uh, nick nurse i mean he was way out and it's what like he had the ball for a second and we're like, ah, what the heck <laughs> yeah why not and i got it going just nothing but nothing but that's home game the crowd and all that stuff so i'm that's a great game but let's see what he can do you know, when they really, really need him. And they'll have that opportunity. I'm excited to see what he brings to the team. Also this morning, we had David Locke on. 
He wanted to talk a little college football, but he talked a little jazz. He got under your skin multiple times. That was a good morning. <laughs> he did. Well, first oh, off, you were stuck on that thing when he said Toronto's the toughest oh, matchup. Oh, he does Lou Holtz it. I mean, right, come on. Right, right. And so I said, well, wouldn't the Warriors be the toughest matchup? And what he meant was the way what Toronto does well fits with what the Jazz does poorly because not only is Toronto not the toughest matchup, they're not the second toughest matchup, they're not the third toughest matchup, but they do force a lot of turnovers and grab a lot of offensive rebounds, and those have been two weaknesses for the Jazz. And we saw that work for half the game, and then the Jazz got it all figured out and one going away. And then he dropped the uh, how hard will it be to be Sacramento a third straight hey, you, time. You knew that was coming. <laughs> yes, I did. Someone I can't remember who it was. Someone else threw it out on social media last night, and uh, and I did wonder probably if probably someone who wants them to win. Yeah, and I did wonder if we would hear that from Locke this morning. It's a fan, and, and you, we did. You, most of those but guys there are, are hardcore invested in their team. But, That's fine. But there are sweeps in the NBA, and they're pulled off by the best team. So if the Jazz are one of the best teams, pull off a sweep. Man, I couldn't even tell you when they played Sacramento. And don't tell me. <laughs> They've already had a home-and-home home with them. I, I realize that, but I don't know which games, and I don't care. All right, well, that game's tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, and we are brought to you in part by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up. It's a special, a $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Your feedback, we've talked a lot of football this morning. We've talked a lot about Utah and Oregon. Do you think Utah is going to clinch the division Saturday night? Your feedback coming up next on that topic. Stay with us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale going on now at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available. Sag now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time for your feedback. Tim talking about the Oregon game, the Utah game, the ability of the Utes to clinch the division title Saturday night. PK, you're going to love this. All right. Tim tweets at us. If they play a solid error-free game, I believe we will. <laughs> we will what? Clinch the division. Okay. Who's they? The Utes. If they play a solid error-free game, we will clinch the oh, division. Oh, I got you. I got you. You yeah. changed the pronouns there. <laughs> he no. did change the pronouns. Can't have that. Got to be consistent. If we play a solid error-free game, we will clinch the division. I'm or consistent in all my pronouns. they play a solid error-free game, they will clinch the division. But if they play a solid error-free game, we will clinch the division. I hate inconsistent pronouns. That has been a pet peeve of mine. Oh, that is classic. Like all my, on all my social media, my pronouns, it. The way I'm referred to. I like her. Because <laughs> she laughs at your jokes. <laughs> you don't know anything about her. She could be given 20% of her goats every year. You don't know. First impression. What was your name your again, jokes. Maddie? You didn't even learn her name until she started I laughing at I just said her name. Jokes. What was your name? I just want to double check. 
<laughs> Perhaps. Sure, I wasn't really but all our remotes. Uh, <laughs> but now that you're laughing, you're my favorite. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny, you're sorry, old man. news. Oh. There's the balcony. <laughs> Goodbye. No, he can still. There's other stuff he needs to do. He's multifaceted. Bring me food, Johnny. There's other no, he stuff does you need to marketing do. And, and, and can he you gave me sure? Dirk's Bentley tickets. I like them, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Laughter, free concerts. Also, could you Venmo me half a million dollars now that you know it works? It's another one of your roles. Venmo me a half a mil every day, okay? Done. Sweet. It's in the mail. <sighs> Uh, we are uh, still getting a lot of feedback about the Sports Illustrated story we talked about yesterday that Kyle Winningham may retire after this season. It basically talked about how Duke, North Carolina, and Utah. They were talking about all the openings. People might get fired. And then in the last graph, Duke, North Carolina, Utah, retirements could create openings there. And Mapleton Coog says, yeah, retiring because he knows Kalani's going to kick his trash for the next 10 to 15 years. <laughs> Laughing, crying emoji. Okay, we have no guarantee that Kalani will be there for the next 10 to 15 years. And Kyle or that they will play for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Scott responds, you should be more worried about losing your coach than ours leaving. <laughs> oh, BYU should so, be worried about Kalani leaving? Right. So okay. isn't this, regardless of the names, a new reality in college sports? You're in the big five. But there's a pecking order even in the mid-five. And these schools look like program, not in any given season, but program, they're middle of the big five, and they always have to worry about the big money guys screwing up at the top of the power five, throwing money at their coach. We were talking earlier about how Michigan State, who's probably in a similar situation, yeah. is throwing 10 years and $95 million so they don't lose another coach to LSU. They saw the Wisconsin coach go to Arkansas. They saw their coach go to LSU, Nick Saban, and they don't want to lose another coach to the SEC to throw big money at. But I think it depends on who the person is, if there's some form of homegrown in that person, like That's David a, Shaw right. has, has had opportunities to go to the NFL, and he said no, I no, totally no, agree. no. It's not a foregone conclusion, but it's something you always have to worry about. And you're right. If there are roots and there's an extra tie, that might make the difference. But it still might. Kyle's had opportunities. There's right? plenty of opportunities. In, uh, right. But it's still a might. You don't know for sure. Well, there's no nothing that you know for sure. And, and then they may decide the pressure of it all. Screw this. And Stoops retires at 56. Yeah. And if your program is big enough and good enough, it doesn't matter. You should be able to continue it, too. Greg says... Well, if Larry Scott were still the Pac-12 commission, we could count on half the Utes' defense being ejected for targeting in the first quarter. We'll see how the new guy operates. Worried yeah, that the I, fix I, is in. I don't think he's in the uh, booth. The yeah, referee but, booth. Let's look for him. Let's pick him off. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. I, I just I don't see that. Isaac says, the game's going to be tight, but my gut says yes. Now, it's actually two games. Both these teams have two chances to clinch the division. Utah and Oregon clinch the division if they win the game. Whoever wins, it clinches. But the loser clinches if the team in their division loses the ASU-Oregon State game. You want to win, though. Absolutely. Win and celebrate on the field. As opposed to getting the news on your phone on the plane back to Oregon or when you're back at your apartment. For Utah, I think it matters more because you have to beat them twice to get to the Rose Bowl. And if you lose, oh, man, you lose at home. Everything was set up for you, and you didn't get it done. Whereas Oregon has been, yeah, we had to go to Utah, man. That's a tough environment. 
uh, boy, we'll get them on that neutral field. Yeah. So I think the psychological advantage of a loss favors Oregon more, although at the same time they would be devastated by not being in the playoff. But that's what happened a couple years ago. Well, so then they could think, well, we're not going to get in the playoffs, so we might as well get in the Rose Bowl. And obviously that was a plenty of incentive a couple years back when they ran them off the field up there in uh, Santa Clara. Is Utah bringing home the South Division Championship on Saturday? Egyptian Utes in San Diego tweets at us, BYU fans are the ones commenting on this tweet. Clown emoji, laughing till crying emoji. That's because it's, it's called a rivalry? Yep. True story. If we put something with BYU, then Ute fans will comment on it. Especially when you're a BYU fan this year, you're willing, much more willing to pipe up. Oh, yeah. Put yourself out there because <laughs> your guys are backing you up. Yeah. Eight and two. We yeah. all assume nine and two and by they, five and, o'clock tomorrow. And they beat the Utes. Yep. Yeah. So you can have more fun with it this year. All right. We're live at Murdoch Chevrolet. They've got the 2022 Silverado with up to $1,500 off and the 2022 Equinox Blazer or Traverse up to 0% financing for 72 months. Also, they have partnered with Al Sporting Goods and the Utah Foster Care System because it's the time of the year where the Murdoch Auto team and customers are giving back in the communities we all live and serve in. For every new car sold in the month of November, customers will receive a $100 Al Sporting Goods gift card with a Murdoch VIP discount code, which gives the customer up to 30 to 50% off. A portion of every new car sale will be donated to the Utah Foster Care System. Over the past two years, the Murdoch Auto team has been able to put over 400 pairs of new snow boots on the feet of Utah Foster Care children. Murdoch's got dealerships from Logan to Linden and over 1,000 quality used vehicles. People have been stopping by here all morning, registering to win tickets to see Utah and Oregon tomorrow night. Maddie's training. Let Maddie draw the winner. Maddie, you're going to decide who gets the free tickets to see two nationally ranked teams square off. And it's one, two tickets for one. Just one. You've got to put one of those back. There's only one winner. Maddie, it's your first contest. Alright, you put one back. And the winner is... Eddie Thompson from North Salt Lake. You're the man, Eddie. You're going to the game. E.T., phone home. Thanks for stopping by, Eddie. And all the jazz gear is gone except for one lonely T-shirt that will go to the next remote. All right, PK, any final words for the week before the games commence? Stay safe. I love you all. There it is. And uh, keep an eye on 10% of your goats, people. (laughs) Coming up next, Jake and Ben right here on The Zone.